episode 208. Who, who the hell is Army Hammer? <laughs> That's how we're starting this I, off. Well, yeah, because okay. you're kind of my pop culture guy. <laughs> yeah. And when I watch football, and maybe it's because I'm watching on DirecTV and maybe oh. you're not seeing the same promos. There's some documentary like every single Sunday during the NFL season, like 20 times per Sunday, I see these promos for who is Army Hammer and it's like something about eating people or cannibal. <laughs> He's like Hector Hannibal Lecter or whatever the guy's name yes, is. Hector Hannibal I, I don't even know who he is. He's an actor. I don't even know who he is. I just like to know what the story is. Yeah, should, he, I be, should I be watching this documentary or not watching this documentary? First of all, I have no idea what the hell documentary you know what you're I'm talking, talking about. about. Okay. But Army Hammer is a pretty good actor. He played the Winklevoss twins in The Social Network. Yeah, I never saw that. The one about Facebook? You never saw I've that? I've never seen it, no. I know, the, I know the movie. It's about Mark Zuckerberg's life. I don't know. Yeah, and allegedly, uh, yes. the Winklevoss twins came up with the idea for Facebook. Okay. You know, there, there's always someone who comes up with it, and then, like, the Bill Gates comes in and takes yeah. it to the next. You know, there's yeah. always those stories. Yeah. So the Winklevoss twins are the ones, and he played them both. He was great. He's a good actor. But, yeah, there is some weirdness Something surrounding Something going around about him. Yeah, th- there was those allegations that, that he bit a woman or like it was like an attack or I don't know yeah there's something about him inviting he was never there was never a criminal case involved with it I want to make sure I say that well this documentary comes out at least the promo comes on during football like a hundred times a day and there's like audio of him and you know like the bars are going up and down and you see his picture yeah and he's like he says I'm a hundred percent cannibal or something like that like he like he wants to devour people I don't know is he is he Anthony, what was the guy's name? Anthony Perkins? Uh, Anthony Perkins played Psycho. Uh, You're thinking of Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Sorry. Yeah, but he made made a comment in page six that he wanted to barbecue and eat her rib, talking about a woman. So I think think it just, yeah, no one really knows if he's really a cannibal or not, or if he's just looking for attention. All right, I thought that would have gotten better. Um, (laughs) Last I heard, he was like selling timeshares on the Cayman Islands. He like... I don't oh, think he's really? acting anymore, yeah. Because no one will hire him because they're afraid he's going to eat him. Yeah. Even, eat him for lunch. <laughs> I'm, ha- right. I'm having a friend for dinner. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that great scene, by the way. Great, great line, right? Well, that was the very end, yeah. right? That um, was the last scene. That was the last line of yeah. the movie. And I then think. He wa- you see him walking. Yeah. He just blends in with Anthony the crowd. Anthony Perkins. That's right. Anthony Perkins. Psycho. <laughs> yes. Stump the band on this episode 208. Are you ready? Oh, yes. We are wandering away from sports to a topic that's right up your alley, Hotshot Scott. Really? Food. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, fine. Are you ready? If for I don't get this, then I have no business. You're not going to get now. it, but I'm, I'm I'm interested in knowing whether you'll get it or not. Okay. What is the fastest growing restaurant chain in America? Fastest growing. The fastest growing restaurant chain in America, Hot Shots. And it's obviously it's fast food. It's not. You know, it's fast food. Yeah. Yes. Um, boy, I know subways are everywhere, but I don't. I don't think it's Subway anymore. I think they outnumber McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Uh boy, I, I don't know if Chick Fil A. If they, I don't know if they do if they expand enough. I don't think they, and I don't think In and Out does either. I think they kind of keep it local. Habit Burger. No, have you ever it. been to a Habit Burger? Yeah, I, I, when I leave your house, I go every third time I leave your house. I stop by there. Well, like in the in the uh, Highlands, in the Issaquah Highlands, oh, you yeah, betcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not Habit, is it? It's not Habit. Is it Chick-fil-A or no. in and out of one of those? QSR Magazine reports that Jersey Mike's is the number one fastest growing chain in America. Interesting. From 2020 to 2021, 246 stores were added across the country, bringing the total number of locations of Jersey Mike's to 2,100. $2.2 billion in sales Ooh. last year. It has a way to go before catching up to its rival Subway. Mm-hmm. 
37,000 locations yeah. of Subway. I think it there's over- only 2,100 of Jersey Mike's, but the answer is Jersey Mike's, wow. the fastest growing restaurant chain in America. And now this is when you tell me you've never been to one. I have been to one many, many, many times. I've been to several of them. Oh, you have? So yeah. you're a fan? I would say I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I got the, the little number you punch in, your phone number. Oh, I'm yeah. A, oh, yeah. I'm a member. I get oh, the points. Oh, yeah. Which one thing. do you go to? Uh, North Bend, typically. I go to the North Bend one a yeah, lot. Yeah, I think they do a nice job there. I think so. They got Jersey the, Mike's. I got, think it's better than Subway. Yeah, I, I feel bad crapping on Subway because it was it was there for me <laughs> through I, a lot of years. Hold on a second. Did I crap on Subway no, I, or did I, I just say that Jersey Mike's is better than Subway? I feel bad about crapping on them because I'm about to. Oh, you are? I mean, But they were there for me for a big part of my life, I have to say. I loved Subway. But the smell of the toasted bread, I can't, I can't take my it when I go like in there. My kids like Subway. My kids my like Subway more. Too. Yeah, they like Subway more than Jersey Mike's. Totally. She would and pick I Subway. Feel, no, I yeah. feel no. It's just not the same. No. Now, if, if I am going to go... Sandwich. I don't know that I'm going to go Jersey Mike's or Subway. I think there's. I'm going to go off the board for one. If I'm going to eat bread and everything, I love a nice pot belly. You ever been to pot belly? Many times. Very yeah. good. Don't like it. Really? Yeah, I'm out. Because it tastes good. Cause, no, cause it's that, flavorful. No. Is that why? <laughs> Jeez. And what about Jimmy John's? Now I, I love Jimmy it's John's. Okay. It's okay. Just okay. Yeah. See, Jimmy John's will do... I like their whole wheat bread. Yeah. Well, see, I get the unwitch. They wrap it in lettuce, which I appreciate because yeah. I'm trying... You know, I have what doctors call a little bit of a weight problem. I don't know if you've noticed that no, or not. No, you don't. You're so, fine. That's right. So I try to Love get, yourself. I Sean. love, love the yourself. lettuce wrap at Jimmy John's. And by the way, for those that are going to text me and say, oh, this guy loves to kill big big game animals. There's a bunch of pictures of the Jimmy John guy holding like an elephant's tail. You know, he loves I it. I don't follow that stuff. He loves it, all right? Yeah. But he sold his share. He, he He's out. Okay. So you can feel good about eating at Jimmy John's again, everyone. Leave me alone. All right. <laughs> Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast page. It really helps with booking guests, the yeah. PR people. Look at these things. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month and have access to all the bonus shows. The four short shows that are really entertaining, 20 to 30 minutes each. Mm. Uh, Randy Mueller, Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, Joe and Brady, the Seahawks No Table. We do four or five of those things a week. It's $5 a month. That's all it costs. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on the little link that says become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, and it'll take you to the page. If $5 is problematic, email me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I'll help you out because the idea was not to tell people they can't listen if they can't come up with the five dollars, you don't I, want a huge barrier to entry, is what you're saying. That's right. Yes, that's gotcha. Right. I don't want to do. If people want to hear it and they really truly can't do the five dollars a month, yeah. just tell me. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I have some uh, emails that I'd like to read. And this is the part where you continue to tell me to love myself. Love yourself. Uh, yeah. Even yeah. even through these emails. Just listen to the emails. <laughs> All right, I'm listening. Dear Mitch, well, shit. Oh boy, good start. After listening to the show today, episode two hundred and seven. Okay. I realized two things. One, that I now know why certain ads are popping up. And I now know that the private browsing feature in the Safari web app doesn't work. Oh, boy. Number two, I think I'll spend the $1 to remove the ads. (laughs) Probably a good move. (laughs) Holy shit, Mitch, I'm embarrassed. Well played, Mitch. Well freaking played. Oh, my gosh. So he, he did listen. I didn't have to write the email after last week's yep. show. Your, See that? Your evil plan worked. It really did. It wasn't evil. It was to get me off the hook. I didn't feel <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable writing an email to tell the guy to be careful oh. about what he's searching for on Google or guys. Yeah. Plural. Yeah, right. 
So uh, he heard it and he sent me a note. And you got to respect him. For sure. He took ownership of it. Came he clean. Did, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, he did blame the private browsing feature of the Safari web. I don't know what that means exactly. But he says, holy shit, I'm embarrassed. Well played, Mitch. Well free. He, yep. he, he fell on the sword. He took, he took, he did. He took a hit. Yep. So, so you got you to gotta help him with that. Good for him. Uh, dear Mitch, thanks for starting this Beat the Boys contest. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, and all my ads are porn and sports. Keep up the great work. <laughs> Side mark. Nice. Mitch, love the show. Effing hate those effing machines. The white machine. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Tip People are hitting me on Twitter about that. Yeah. Thanks for continuing to make me laugh, John. So John hates the machines, too. And I noticed that the Seattle Times had a big expose about tipping, like a five-part series, and... Tipping has changed and when we should tip and how much we should tip. And there was a picture of these machines. I think these <sighs> machines are kind of in the news. And I feel like I'm kind of a trendsetter. I started the whole conversation. You might very well have. And now, did you did you deal with any of those machines this week since the last time I saw you or not? I don't want to say worse because you might not think it's worse. But I had two experiences uh, over the weekend. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. Yeah. Saturday at a softball tournament. I don't know if it's the same for me. There's always a booth that sells sweatshirts. They probably do it for boys too, right? If for some reason she has to get a sweatshirt, she only has 4,000 hoodies in her closet, but yeah. she needs to get one at every turn. Okay. Sure she does. It's like, And then you put the decal, it keeps the, now the price is like $89. Oh my God. Right. Okay. But when I put my card in, there's an option to tip. <sighs> I just spent like, is it one of the white machines that they flip around or not? No, she just hands you the little portable one. Oh. A tip. By the way, she couldn't have been the, like she was the least personable human on earth. Oh. Like she didn't even try to make the sale. God. She looked. She looked put off when we wanted to try a size on. Oh. Like, so of course I tip her like ten percent. Because what am I going to do? You can't not. You can't not. That's the point of the conversation. Right. And she's probably giving you the eagle eye while she's waiting for you to give the machine back. Of to course. Her. Right. Oh. And then we're having a delightful lunch on so Sunday sucks. in Maple Valley. Great service. Great food. Loved it all. But. She's holding it like, and oh, I have to. Oh, you got to punch it in while she's got to do it. Custom tip, four dollars. I mean, of course, I'm you know gonna, what you but, do. Can you please look the other way? <laughs> That's right. God. Like you're taking your shirt off. I, get, I need to take my shirt. Can you please look the other way? It's diabolical. It's actually. not as if she's gonna then look exactly down at exactly whatever you just punched in. I know. But, oh, yeah. I know. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Twenty five percent, of course. What am I, it's the highest one. Like, what oh. am I gonna do? I, I, I'm just jealous because when I waited tables, I didn't have this. People had no trouble even like 10% and walking out the door, you know? Dear Mitch, this comes from Neil in Gig Harbor. I'm so sick of those damn Antonellis in their cheese shop. The, what? The Antonelli? You don't know who the Antonellis Tell me you know who the Antonellis are. I don't know who How could is. you have avoided the Antonellis? <laughs> you get mad at me for not knowing about <laughs> movies and TV shows and you don't know who the Antonellis Hi, we're the Antonellis. What's in your wallet? Where are the Antonellis from the oh, Antonellis yeah, cheese yeah, shop? Yeah, yeah. The perky woman yes. and her husband who run the cheese shop. Oh, yeah. Neil and Gig Harbor says, I'm so sick of those damn Antonellis and it's none of their business what's in my wallet. <laughs> That's right. Part of me's kind of jealous. I don't think you even know who the Antonellis no, are. I, now that you said She's blondish. Yeah, yeah. She's very perky with perky, a big smile. Yeah. In fact, you kind of liked her the first time you saw the, the, yeah. the, the, the commercial, but now we've all seen it a billion times and we're all sick of the Antonellis oh. and their cheese shop and if i if i drive by the antonelli's cheese shop, i don't even know where it is i'm not going in because of her <laughs> just because of her yeah, and she'll have the white machine and she'll flip it around she'll be asking me for tips She's but anyway probably I thought this a was funny billionaire at this point after all these items right know. yeah but i thought that was so funny because I, I i've had that same I, i'm so done with the antonelli's it's funny how they I'm just done. burn commercials into the ground 
Arnie says, dear Mitch, need to rename Hotshot to Sensi Poo Scott. <gasps> he gets so defensive. There's five O's in his so. Oh, wow. It makes me laugh. And that's all the email says. And I don't even know what he's referring to. Where Did you get sensitive in the last show? Did you get Sensi Poo over something? Well, when, the political? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, when the, the guy said, I go after Christians. Oh, do you go after Christians? <laughs> I mean, that, it's like if somebody called you racist or something, wouldn't you Wouldn't you be kind of pissed off about that? Because it's not true. It's bullshit. I don't, I don't judge people by their religion. And so, yeah, maybe I did get sensitive, but it pissed me off. It's not true, first well, of all. Well, it's good if you get sense if you show your sensitive side. Love yourself, Hotshot. Just love yourself. <laughs> I'll continue Embrace to. your sensitive side. <laughs> That's right. All right, it's not too late. Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. We ain't off to the greatest of starts. At least I'm not. I'm going to turn this around. Everybody who beats us wins a prize. Thank you, Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you, John Waterstrat at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. You can easily, even if you haven't started this season, you can still join us. Mm-hmm. It's a long season. You can still beat us and win a prize. Definitely MitchUnfiltered.com. And be careful for what you search for on your computer. <laughs> right. Week four games coming up this week that I've chosen. The three games, you just have to pick the winners. Yep. Bills off of their loss this past weekend. (laughs) That's three sniffles if you want to count. Yes, I did. (laughs) I'm counting. Bills at Ravens this coming week and weekend number four. Broncos at Raiders this weekend, weekend number four. And the Chiefs at the Bucks. Mm. Mahomes and Brady get together. Yeah. I think both of them coming off of losses. Yeah, Brady lost for sure because I had Tampa Bay. So and Mahomes loss also to the Colts, the stinky Colts. So those are the three games that you have to pick the winners. If you'd like to become a uh, a Beat the Boys contestant, just go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Now, as you know, you can't pick those games unless you have the Week 4 password. And yes, it changes week to week. Yes. And the password is Mariners. Oh, boy. All lowercase. Yes. Mariners is the password. Is this the time or no? Not yet. Okay. I was just thinking that there's definitely people in our audience listening who love the Cougars, love the Mariners, and love the Seahawks. Wow, that was a rough 24 hours. Oh. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Woo-wee. I mean, because, you know, the Huskies kind of saved it for Husky fans, but there's diehard, like Jim Moore... Loves his Cougars, well, the, loves his the Mariners, Cougar, and the, loves the Seahawks. The people that you're talking about hate the Huskies, so you can throw one more thing that's into true. it, and that's the Huskies winning <laughs> against right. Stanford and jumping up to, like, number 15, 15, yeah, 15 in, in the, the latest poll. So there you go. Beat the boys. Yep. Presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Week four games. Just pick a winner. No spreads. Bills at Ravens. Broncos at Raiders. Chiefs at Bucks. You go to our website, MitchUnfiltered.com. If you haven't already started, if you have, you know where to go, but you need the password each week. And it's Mariners. Episode 208 guests, Rick Neuheisel, mm. CBS College football analyst, three and one now against the spread in Rick's picks. All He's right. got lots to say about the Pac-12. The UW, as you said, are now number 15. The dogs are 15 and yep. looking at a schedule that's doable. I sent out a tweet that I don't know that all dog fans appreciated because it was maybe a little bit of a Levy jinx. Oh, but uh, we'll talk about it when we get to the dogs. We have Rick Neuheisel as guest number one. We have the Seahawks no table to talk about the loss to the Falcons on Sunday. Joe Fan and Brady Henderson. And we've got our old buddy coming back to the show this episode 208. Jason Lock and Fora, ah. NFL insider, no longer with CBS NFL today, but we love Jason and he's got 
He's got lots to say about weekend number three. And this is the start of the NFL season and what's going on here in Seattle. Okay. Hot shot before we start episode 208. Give me a minute to talk about our partners like Fireside Home Solutions. Up to $300 off gas fireplace inserts right now at Fireside. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Thanks to Fireside. Beat the boys is up and running. Your password again for week four is Mariners, all lowercase. The Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. Sellers continue to get great numbers in our neighborhood, I can tell you that. On this episode 207, Jordan Flowers is going to explain why the Seattle home market has not cooled as much as some of the other areas in the country. Seven minutes is all you need with my man J-Flow, Jordan Flowers, at 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, Seward Park, Terrace Station, and Mount Lake Terrace. A signed deal in Boise, Idaho for the first location outside the state of Washington. The growth of Zeke's Pizza continues to amaze. They just do it right. Download the Zeke's Pizza app today, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, a Northwest staple for the best steaks and seafood. This Saturday, October the 1st, the 5th Annual Single Malt Saturday Scotch Tasting. Over 100 single malts will be on display and available along with your paid admission. You'll receive a commemorative tasting glass and a large selection of heavy appetizers will be served. Episode 208 begins officially right now. Unfiltered. There's just not a lot to get excited for. And you just wonder, you know, every time they show a cutaway of Pete Carroll... (laughs) I, I wonder, I mean, is this the beginning of the end? I mean, is this the, has the fuse been lit on the Pete Carroll era? Unfiltered. When you consider the Huskies' schedule this year, it happens to be, just by luck, Lincoln Riley at USC is humming along with yeah. the quarterback that kind of came with them from Oklahoma. And you've got Utah that plays great defense, even though they lost by a skosh to Florida on the road at the beginning of the season. Utah and USC, just so happens Utah and USC, neither on the Washington schedule. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 208, Hot Shots, yes. now officially underway. Can I tell you who my new favorite person is on? Well, in the Seattle area where we happen to Does reside. Does that include Bellevue, where you are now? Because I know your favorite person is Bellevue in Bellevue. Oh, Max, for sure. Yeah. Good, good Misty. Call. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you and Misty. Right. Misty, for sure. It's not even close. Who is your new favorite person in the Seattle area? The drone person. Okay. Who is this maniac that keeps stopping games? It makes me laugh. Are we sure it's the same person at both games? Well, it has to be. But they said on the TV, you heard them say it. On the television, I did, yes. That the University of Washington has taken responsibility that it was a UW athletic department drone that disconnected and just got away from them over the over. My question is. Mm, Did it, though? I don't know. It just went rogue? Yeah, it just disconnected. They couldn't control it. Okay. How do they get rid of the drone? What I that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Let's assume it's just hanging over the the playing field and the game cannot continue yeah. until the drone whether it's the NFL the co- 
What, what, you don't shoot it down. You can't, you're not going to have a guy with a rifle. You could. I mean, no, you can't. You're not going to do that. Not in city limits. You're not so you shooting tell me, yet. Tell me what the what the remedy is. How do you get control of a drone that's <laughs> that's 50 feet up in the air, under that's hanging out over a, over a field? How do you do it? There is no remedy. That's why it makes me laugh. You're like it, that person's mercy. If they just want to keep it there, they're going to have to build little F-15 fighter I'm pilots serious. or fighter planes to go take it out. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. What are you going to get? A 400 foot so long game rake? Get, so the game gets canceled? <laughs> I, I guess. If the, if the if the drone doesn't like leave at yeah. some point, you're telling me the game and, and they're refusing because of security risks I guess. to continue the game with the drone. The, the, the game gets canceled. The drone wins? Yes, I think the drone would win. Because I can't figure I can't. You don't go with a big net like you have with a butterfly as a kid. Oh, you the don't butterfly try, net? <laughs> yeah. How do you get? How do you grab it? Yeah, how, do you, I, how do you get it out of the midair? I don't understand. Like I said, you get a 300 foot long rake and you just start taking swipes at it. to try. I don't know. They're going to have to come up with anti-drone. Yes, they are. Yeah, they're gonna. I guess they're gonna have to build little fighter pilots because you know, like if a, if a plane gets you know hijacked, they yeah. the F-15s take off. The, you yeah, know, yeah. Now you got to build little tiny F-15s to go there and take this thing out. I don't I know. Guess. What can you do? I spent way much, way too much of my time this weekend, literally going through this in my head. Like, how do you get yeah. the thing? How do you remove the thing from over the field? Great question. It's impossible. I don't know. I don't know. Now, what are the chances that the Huskies had one go rogue at their game? Fine. And then you don't believe that. Well, is you, it the what do you what what's in it for the Huskies to take responsibility for this? To make people, I don't know, maybe feel make secure. them feel it's safe and secure, no big deal. Again, I don't think people felt unsafe because of drones. No, drones no. are everywhere. So why do you think that the Huskies had to do? I this? don't know. I'm sure they're telling the truth. It just seems weird that it would then happen at the Seahawks too. Well, it could because somebody now got an idea. Was watching the college football game. Was mm. watching. Was either there <laughs> at the game or watching it on TV and knew they were going somewhere near the universe. Uh, the C, the C Hawks the following day and they yeah. were like that's a good idea yeah, everything's a copycat yeah I except guess. for me i'm an original they're gonna have I to do. that's right they're gonna have to get like some some beanbag or some beanbag guns or something something you know, like some non lee i don't know what they're gonna do i don't do. know what they're gonna do but it just i love that it just hold it just held the game hostage one little drone where would you like to begin episode 208 segment one mariners huskies seahawks we kind of have to cover I guess we could cover the Huskies. I've got a lot to say about the Huskies okay. and the tweet that I sent out late Saturday night that was not in certain circles warmly received. Oh, yeah. But maybe we should hold that out for the first part of the other stuff segment after the interviews. You had yourself a few pops and something out. You, no, you, I didn't you have regret. any pops. Yeah, yeah, I did there. have pops. I had a, I had a Sprite Zero <laughs> oh, boy. and I had a diet caffeine-free Coke. That's a hell of a Saturday night yes, right there. Yes, it sure is. Woo! No pops. But I believe what I said, and I'll tell you what I said at the beginning of the other stuff. So, old Huskies, you want to start with Seahawks or you want to start with Mariners? Remember when I texted you earlier and I said I might not be able to watch the Seahawks because yeah. I'll be at softball? And yeah. Can we build a time machine and go back to that and have them win the tournament so I don't have to watch them? Can we do that, please? Yeah. But again... It, it, you knew this was going to happen. Exactly right. But we didn't know that it was going to happen... That's the comment that I would make. And look, we're going to have the, the Seahawks no table. So Joe Fan, Brady Henderson, and myself are going to do a full segment on this episode 208 yeah. about the game. So we don't have to belabor the point. Oof. They're one and two. They're not very good. Nope. Here's here's what I would say. Are we starting with the Seahawks or are we let's, starting with the Mariners? Let's go Seahawks. We're already it's into it. It's funny that you're doing that because the Mariners are down to 10 games to go and on their way, hopefully, to the playoffs. And yet you picked the Seahawks well, fresh, as the starter. Fresh in my mind is that 11-run sixth inning. Oh, my God. 
that's fresh in my mind so i'm trying to put that off as long as possible so go ahead <sighs> yeah that was that was awesome again i'm having a delightful little lunch at maple valley where the lady handed me that it's eight to two we walk we walk in there they're down two to one maybe you didn't give her enough of a tip <laughs> yeah maybe that's it a bad mojo mariners are down two one i'm like will they stop playing around with these dumb teams All right. now, then it's eight to two and then i drive home what the hell happened okay we'll get there all right I'll do Mr. Playoffs and I'll give you a sense of how I still think it's going to end up fine in terms of making the playoffs. I can't tell you they're going to go very far, that they're playing very well. They're going to get Julio back. But we'll come back to that. Let me me just give you a quick, I'll give you a quick Seahawks thing and then we'll defer to the Seahawks note table. Unless you have some things that you'd like to talk about with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are one and two. They are this close to being 0-3. And the one thing that I think is interesting because I wasn't expecting it is that we were kind of conditioned before the season started to believe that the team was going to really struggle on offense because they don't have a quarterback. They're going to start a journey, a long journey, of looking for the next franchise quarterback post-Russell Wilson. But they've got some young and aggressive and on-the-rise defensive players that they'll be pretty good defensively, but they're going to lose a lot of games because they're not going to be good offensively. Right. Right? That's what we were conditioned to believe. Yep. Is that the truth in the first three games? (laughs) Not so far. Their defense is embarrassingly bad. Yeah, god-awful. They fired Ken Norton. They didn't hire from outside. They had to hire from within because that's a Pete thing. He hired his buddy Clint Hurt. They've got supposedly some good defensive young players. They went out and paid for the guy from from the Chargers. The Falcons go out. They get 386 yards, hot shot, on 54 plays. You want to do the math? You want me to do the math for you? 386 yards on 54 plays for the Falcons on Sunday. You want to know how many yards per play? I do, yes. 7.14 yards per play. They had six yards per carry, the Falcons did. Marcus Mariota, fringe NFL starter, 11 yards per pass attempt. The Seahawks forced exactly one punt, and they were given a gift of a fumble at the end on the exchange, the running play where Mariota in the fourth quarter dropped the ball and gave – the Seahawks a new life yeah. because probably the Falcons were going down to score anyway. Yeah, the, it was the uh, the zone read option. The zone the read option. Bad mesh point. Yes. That, yeah. The defense, when you think about the first three games, if it weren't for the fact that they stopped the Denver Broncos on Monday night with a couple of goal line stands, right. which I guess you got to give them credit for, which we've said that over and over again, they have been abysmal. This is a terrible, this is one of the worst defenses and then I, I don't know statistically. I can't tell you statistically. I know what my eyes tell me. Right. This defense is terrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal. If it weren't for those goal line stands, they'd be 0-3 with the worst defense in the NFL. And on the flip side to that, I feel like a responsibility to say, because we were conditioned to, to know how bad the offense was going to be as they searched for the new quarterback, I had absolutely no problem with the way Geno Smith and the offense played on Sunday against the Falcons. None. Why are you shaking your head? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Would you take 32 of 44 for 325 yards and two touchdowns? And the interception, yeah. He had the interception because he was put he was put in a bad spot Forcing late in the it. game, yeah, yeah, and he had to it force there. it. Yeah. Would you take five yards of carry from the running game? Yeah. Would you take 520 yards of total? I think it was 500. Maybe it's 420 yards. Got to look. Maybe it was 420 yards. No, I think it was 520 yards of total offense. Wow. Didn't feel like it. No, I, mean, I, I don't think it was 520 yards. It was very. They were very, they were plenty good enough. Good enough, yeah. The quarterback threw for 325 yards. That's crazy. He was throwing the ball down the field. He had 200 yards at halftime. There was nothing wrong with their offense. Mm. Nothing wrong. Now, 
Damian Lewis, who's supposed to be your best offensive lineman, comes up with two holding calls that were absolutely game cr- bone crushers. Yeah, killers. Put them in the position to throw the interception or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know. I don't have I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of problems. They had 23 first downs, 420 yards. They averaged over six yards per, per play. He threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns. DK Metcalf had a good day. Tyler Lockett had a good day. Penny rushed the ball. Even the the young guy from Michigan State had a good day. Yeah, he looked good. Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're just so bad defensively, they couldn't stop the Falcons. It's tainting their offensive performance because all I could think about was the third and 19 that they you know, that they were able to pick and that Atlanta picked up. I just All I could think about is the god-awful defense. So, yeah, I guess the offense was pretty plenty, good. Plenty yeah, good Plenty enough. good. Will, plenty good Will Disley back catching touchdowns and, yeah, the defense is – so I was going to ask you, is, I mean – I guess the answer is no, but is there going to be Drew Locke talk ever? I mean, I know he's – you just gave me his numbers. They sound pretty good, but they aren't winning. So is – is because uh, I know on Twitter I'm seeing lots of Drew Locke, Drew Locke, Drew Locke. We got to try something different. Well, Drew Locke would not have won him the football game on Sunday. That's for sure. I don't, is it for sure? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he goes up – maybe he throws 35 out there. I don't know. I don't know. I just – fans are just – they seem irritated and they seem short. And they're, oh, they're, it's not they're, about they're, the offense. Okay, it's yeah. not about Geno Smith. At least on Sunday, it's not about Geno yeah. Smith. Look, I, I, I have no skin in the game. I don't give a rat's ass whether Geno Smith's the starter or Drew Locke. Yeah. I kind of – you know, part of me kind of hopes that they'll lose a lot of games and get a high draft choice, but I don't really want to be on Mitch Unfiltered talking about losses every week. Right. I think I'm pretty impartial. There was nothing wrong with Geno Smith. You might call the interception. Look, I, I if you want me to take take a shot at Geno, I would say on the play before the interception where he took the sack, the guy came up the middle yep. and sacked him. I thought he could have gotten rid of the ball, so it's fourth and eight instead of fourth and a million. Yeah. Um, okay. And he threw the interception. He had to throw that ball. Okay. But up until that point, he's like a, you know, a 135 rated quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Or passer. I, yeah. I don't see it. I, I don't see it. The, the blame, the, the fingers should be, be pointed at one unit and one unit only after yeah. the loss of the Falcons. When and that's see, the defense. When you see the defense like taken off after a quarterback, forcing him out of bounds, do you think to yourself, well, there, this is going to be a late hit? I just know it. I know there's going to be a late hit. Do you think that with this team? I don't know why. I always think like when I, when I see him chase a quarterback out of bounds, I just go, well, this is going to be a penalty. Is it a penalty normally? Well, today they had a late hit on him. Like, dude, he's already going mean, out of bounds. You mean Sunday? Yes, on Sunday. Sunday they did. Yeah. And I just think like Pete just, I don't think Pete gets in anyone's butt. He doesn't get, doesn't care. He doesn't get mad. And the penalties just keep happening. I don't know. It just feels like every time they chase a quarterback, well, there's going to be a late hit. And there was. Well, they're typically one of the most penalized teams Ugh. in the National Football League. There's it, no question about that. Was, was, was court- but they had, uh, they had six penalties on Sunday. And some pretty costly ones. Well, the two holding calls, yeah. as I said, the two hold the holding call at the end was a killer. I, he didn't need to hold. They, they had the screen pass set up. It was beautiful. It seems like to me, Rashad Penny, if you want me to have fun, Rashad Penny looks like he's tired all the time to me. He does. When he's running, it's like an effort. He's like, <laughs> he caught that screen ball and he almost paused for a second. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> here I go. It feels like he's just gassed. And he gets all six times. yards and taps his helmet to come out like well, after one not play. On the, not on that play. Okay, all right. And all he right. was fine. He's fine. But he does yeah. look to me like he's like, all right. After he, <laughs> they handed me the ball. I guess I got to run it again. Hey. He looks like, yeah, all right. He's a little bit in, 
Yeah. I had a lot of listeners tell me he's going to the Hall of Fame, so I'm still waiting to see that. Going to the Hall of Fame? Well, I remember last year, people were oh, Penny's the real deal. He's going to get oh, 1,600 no, he's yards. He's fine. He's had a good start okay. to the season. He's fine. Yeah, he looks all right. He's had a good start to the season. Is it just me or 31-year-old Cordell Patterson? Was Cord- he? Cord- Cordell. Cordero. Cordero. Wasn't he a receiver for like a... Yes, he was. That's why he wears 84. Yes, he was. But, yeah. So they're not even throwing running backs at the defense. They're 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 they're, they're letting no, But he's receiver. been a running back for the last couple. I, of I know years. he does like yeah. both and stuff. He was really good. He was good. Well, they made him look great. Yes. They've made every running back look great. When you don't get hit in the first seven yards and you got a full head of steam, they made all better, the Broncos but... nondescript running backs look great on Monday night. They like they made oh. uh, the 49ers running backs look good yeah. the previous Sunday. Yeah, their defense is just off. <laughs> let's, let's move along. They just line up a receiver. We don't even need running backs let's against you. Christ. Ten games to go, Hotshot. Yeah. I'm hearing magic numbers and all kinds of fun well, stuff. Well, there's been magic numbers for a few weeks now. Yeah. Glad you've been paying Are attention. they magic, though? Yeah, they, they are kind of magic. Still? I think all of us would be jumping off of cliffs after giving up 11 in the sixth <sighs> inning. Had the Baltimore Orioles not lost at the, yeah they were in position to win that game yeah and then it would have been the just the double dose of bad news and probably still would be in position to make the playoffs because look they play ten games they are all at home I don't care how bad they're playing they play all ten games at home against piss poor opponents all of them are like thirty five saying piss poor opponents they, they go three and seven on this cockamamie wasn't it three and seven on this road trip the the sad thing is is that three and seven would probably be good enough on this homestand wow maybe not three I don't want to tempt the gods yeah I don't want maybe three five and, seven. and five <laughs> okay I, I still believe strongly they're going to make the playoffs there's ten games to go the magic number is six you know what a magic number yeah. is. Max asked me what a magic number was. You know what a magic number I, is? I learned it in 95 when the Mariners were actually okay. going for a playoff. Combination run, yeah. of Mariners wins and Orioles losses. Mm-hmm. The Orioles still have to play very, very good teams the rest of the way. The Mariners play none. The Jays actually now are spreading their lead on the Rays and the Mariners. The Jays are kind of really in the catbird seat for that number one wild card, which is the home field advantage in the first round. Right. You got to be the number one wild card to get the home field. And now the Mariners, I believe, are two and a half, as we record this, are two and a half games behind. We don't care about number two because we really don't even want number two. Yeah. We either want three or one. And they're two and a half behind the Blue Jays for number one. Now, I'll give you the other side to that story is the reason they're two and a half is because they played one more game than the Mariners. Okay. So they're only two go- uh, down in the loss column. The Mariners, again, have this opportunity. I know that Julio's not playing, but they scored 12 runs. on. So I don't want to hear that they can't score runs. <laughs> the bullpen blew it, Just right? 12 enough to win a baseball game? It should be enough. Okay, good. <laughs> they still have this opportunity in front of them. They play lousy opponents, all 10 of them at home. The, the Jays are going to play tough opponents on the way in, and they're two games back in the loss column. And I'll have you know that I believe, I haven't looked at it, that the Mariners own the tiebreaker, I think, with the Jays if they end up tied. I think that's right. Is that wrong or right? I said that before. Uh, I have to look that up to make sure I'm okay. right about that. I but like anyway, say that. there's still an opportunity. There's still, with as bad as the road trip was, yeah. with all the one run where they scored one run and all the injuries oh, and Julio. Injuries. And, and now, you know, now they're getting bad starts from guys that they normally get great starts from and the, the bullpen with all of the shit. 
if you put the shit behind, if they get on the plane and they just decide we're leaving the crap behind yeah. in, in Kansas City, Anaheim, and Oakland, we're leaving it all behind. We're pretending it never happened. They still have in front of them 10 games over nine days. They're going to take a, a day off on Monday. Then they're going to play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And in one of those days, they're going to play two games. They're going to play 10 games in nine days. Wow. They're all going to be at home, and they're all going to be against teams that have nothing but players that can't wait to get to the offseason, that have just <laughs> ma- that are mailing it in, playing. These guys are pl- double-A players are playing. They have, if you can just leave all of the nonsense on the road, you've got this opportunity to not only make the playoffs, to get some momentum, to maybe even pick up the number one seed. It's going to be hard. There's only 10 games. you got to pick up two of them on the yeah. on the Jays. But possible. It's, it's, it's totally yeah. possible. Yep. It's still time to get hot. Just get hot. Are they healthy? No. They are not. And who got hit? Was it Winker? Did Winker get smacked in well, the Well, I think hand, Winker went out, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> All right. Addition not, not by a, means of subtraction. But. I, I think that uh, Cal Raleigh got hurt on Sunday. Not a good thing. He had to leave the game. He's, game he's on one of their cl- Yeah, he's one of their clutch guys. Yep. But uh, <sighs> if you want to look at the rotation, okay, I've got good news and I've got bad news about the rotation, the Seattle Mariners rotation, which w- the way it's set up. Which would you like? The first, the good news or the bad news? Well, I always go bad news first. Get that out of the way. Bad news first is... If they find a way to keep stepping on their you-know-whats, mm-hmm. the entire homestand, and they find themselves needing to win one of the last couple of games of the season, they haven't had it clinched up until the last game of the season, Yeah, they, do not, they will not have Luis Castillo, and they will not have Robbie Ray available to them in those last two games of the season, unless they're going to pitch Castillo- on three days rest, which they probably won't do. That's what I was going to especially so after just waiting for him. The way, it, yeah, the way it's set up, the way it's set up is that Logan Gilbert mm. will be the pitcher on the last game of the season oh. if they need that. They will not have Robbie Ray. They will not have, for all intents and purposes, Luis Castillo. That's the way it's set up. That's okay. the bad news. Okay. The good news is if they take care of business and they – wrap up a wild card with a few days to go in the regular, and they don't need to win those. Maybe they need to win those games for the number one wild card. But let's say they, they've wrapped up a playoff spot, yep. and they don't have to have those last couple of games, which are on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, It's set up so that they take a day off on Thursday, and then they start a three-game series on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Castillo on Friday, a five-days rest. Ray on Saturday, five days rest. I like it. And George Kirby on Sunday, five days rest. So there's your good news. Bad news is you don't have them. The big three for the stretch for the very, very end if you need them. (sighs) Good news is you've got them ready to go on on more than enough rest, and they're fresh for the playoffs, the three-game series, wherever that might be. It does feel like it's going to come down to the last game. It just is that that's how it's going to go, isn't it? God, I can't believe it's going to. I mean, not, I still don't believe it's going not to, to make the playoffs. Oh, but I, I think. Oh, yeah. I think the last. I think the last game of the year will be important somehow. Yes. With like the the but number it might, one seed, or but something. it might be important in a weird way. It might be the difference between number two wild card and number. Three. What if I told you that? Going into the final two games of the season, 
the Jays have wrapped up the number one seed, mm-hmm. and the Rays are and Mariners are jockeying for who's going to be two and who's going to be three, and both of them decide we'd rather be three, so they're both trying to lose. Yeah. I don't know that you would want to try to lose games as you get ready for the playoffs. It's not good mojo. It's not right. good karma. But, but we've we've discussed this over and over again. Yeah. There's simply no good reason to be number two wild card. Three wild card is better than two. Yeah. Because the Jays are playing good baseball. They would be the number one wild card. Yeah. You've done okay against Cleveland. It looks like Cleveland's going to be the opponent, and you would avoid Houston in the second round. Houston would not be you, you, the the earliest you could play Houston would be in the championships the American League Championship Series. So if you're not going to have home field, which number one wild card is going to get, yeah, I'm telling you, you don't want number two. All right, I, it's going to be fun nonetheless. I mean, we're talking about playoffs. We're talking oh. about playoff baseball in Seattle. There's going to be it's going to be a blast these I next. Think 10 there's going to be playoffs baseball and. I can't imagine that they're going to go so far into the tank that they're going to choke this away. The funny thing is, I think even if they do go in the tank and they choke it away, I'm not convinced that Baltimore is going to win enough games. It's going to be the classic backing into the playoffs, like gotcha. the all-time yeah. classic backing into the playoffs yeah. if they choke and they let it get away. And I think Baltimore is going to lose games too. And they've got a little bit of a cushion. Tell me about the Castillo deal. Do you like that? Ah, let's talk about the Castillo deal. Please. I think that was really unexpected great news, despite the fact that I've been very disappointed with his last two starts. Mm -hmm. I expected more. I mean, he had, through five innings, he had allowed two runs, and they were up 11-2. to Right. And then he gave up a bunch of runs before he left the the building, right? But overall, I think this was a a real nice dose of good news. It's a five-year, $108 million guaranteed contract. Yeah. Which is twenty one million, an average of twenty one million, but it doesn't go that way. He gets seven million dollars in a in a check and a in a signing bonus. He's going to get ten million next year. He was supposed to get twelve million next year, mm. so he's actually taking a pay cut next year. Although he's getting seven million to sign this contract over the next sixty days. How would you like to get a seven million dollar check <laughs> over the next sixty days? That'd be nice. And then he's going to get twenty two point seven five the following four. So he averages twenty one per year. I, I just. I can't imagine that this isn't a really good deal for the team. No question. Like okay. the like I said about the the Julio contract, but I you know whereas I would not if I was Julio's agent have done that deal. I'm I'm on record as saying if yeah. I was Julio's best friend or agent or father, I would not have advised him to sign that deal. I think he could have done better. That's not to say that he's not going to do great and be a very wealthy young man and be taken care of for for generations to come. I yeah. still would not have done that deal. But in this case, I think this is a, a good deal for him. A couple of reasons why. He's 29. He's going to be 30. Um, he's had some injury problems. He's missed some starts over the years in Cincinnati. Okay. He hasn't been 100% injury proof. He's going to get $108 million. If he pitches well deep into that contract, he can he can get another year. A sixth year for a lot of money. Okay. So I think it's good for him. It'll keep him signed for 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, and 35 years old. Um, he's got a no trade clause in his contract from 23 to 25. I think it's a good deal. For them, it's a no-brainer to me. Now, it may not work out. I don't know what this guy is going to be. Yeah. No one knows what no he's going to be for the last five years. But here's what I would say. I would say that if, let's say he is, whatever the pitcher he is right now, Mm -hmm. 
whatever you think of, of him right now. He doesn't get better. He doesn't improve. And he doesn't get worse. He's just this pitcher for the for the five years. Okay. It's a flat-out bargain for the Mariners. Yeah, I agree. If, if he doesn't get hurt and he's this level of pitcher, yep. and when I say this level of pitcher, I would say that Luis Castillo, despite his last couple of starts, I would say he's one of the top 10 or 12 starters in mm. Major League Baseball. Yeah. But do you and they're getting that? him yeah. for an average of $21 million. That's right. Now, let me put that into perspective. Okay. I did the homework for you. You're like... Okay, $21 million. Is that a lot of money? Is that not a lot of money? Well, there are 12 starting pitchers that in this year, 2022, are going to make more than $21 million, which is his average salary over now the life of this contract. Okay. 21 point something million is his average, his average year. So there's 12 guys. I'm going to give them, I'm going to name them for you. Okay. Max Scherzer's making $43 million this year. Uh, at good. 37. Jacob deGrom is making 36 million this year. Garrett Cole, 36. Trevor Bauer, he's not making anything, but had a contract for 35. Steven Strasburg, 35. David Price, 32. Chris Sale, 30 million. Zach Wheeler this year, 26 million. Marcus Stroman from the Cubs, 25 million. Justin Verlander, best pitcher probably in the American League. 25 million this year at age 39. Wow. Patrick Corbin of Washington, 23-4. Madison Bumgartner, uh, 23 million even this year. So those are the 12 starting pitchers that made more this year than he's going to average over the next year, over the next five years. And remember, we're, we're, we're painting the hypothetical that he remains whatever he is now for right. the whatever he is. Not better yep. and not worse. He's better than just about every guy on that list mm. right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Verlander's better. There's one. Um, DeGrom, when he when he's healthy, is probably better, but he's never healthy. Scherzer's old and he's good, but he but but he's outpitched. Luis Castillo has outpitched, I believe, Garrett Cole. Trevor Bauer hasn't pitched. He's certainly outpitched Strasburg. Price is retiring. Sales not the same pitcher. Zach Wheeler, I mean, I don't know. I don't follow. Madison Bumgarner doesn't strike me as having a, a, a good year. He's better than all these. Just about every guy on the list. So you tell me, yeah. was it a good deal? It's a good deal. I like it. Okay. Yeah, you put there it you like go. that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's good for fans, too. If fans are like, okay, you're spending some money. You went out and got him. Now you're signing him. Well, like, it's great. We're making for, a commitment. Oh, let's, no, no, let's no, no, no. Good is not the right word for fans. It's great for fans. A, they just spent a ton of money on or committed a ton of money on Julio. Yep. Now they're committing to this guy, so they have him in fold. Remember, remember, their starting rotation, which by any any measure is one of, if not the best starting rotations in the sport right now. Hmm. Now, they have some bumps and bruises the last five days. Right. But, but think about this. Castillo is now under club control for five years. Robbie Ray is under club control for the next four years. Mm -hmm. George Kirby is under club control for the next five years. Logan Gilbert wow. is under club control for the next four years. And Marco Gonzalez, you don't even want anymore. You <laughs> yeah. let him go. He's under control with two for two more years with their rotation. Awesome. Yeah. How many teams go into the next four off seasons knowing we're set? Unless one of these guys comes down with a with a you know a torn rotator cuff right. or something or Tommy John surgery. They are completely set with not just a rotation, but a rotation that's believed to be one of the best. And they got nothing. Kirby and Gilbert are great young pitchers. Yeah. Castillo and Ray are veterans who are, are terrific. And 
they're, they're off and running. They can, they can spend all of their attention, whatever remaining dollars they want to spend during the offseason on nothing but bats. defense and bats. Yeah, let's go get some bats. And so if you're like me, I said to the family the other day, what do you think we get back in the game? We used to have season tickets all those years, but I didn't go to half. half. I didn't go to 10 of the games. <laughs> well, when you're doing morning radio, that's, I mean, hard. yeah, it's tough. I'm thinking about with this starting rotation, knowing that this is going to be the starting rotation now. Yeah. 15 game package? Sure. Yeah. 12 game. I don't know what they do. 12 game packages? You don't have to get up early anymore. It's no. awesome. The kids are, their kids are old enough. They go by themselves to the game. They want to go to the games. Yeah. They can take buddies to the games. 15 games. Could be fun. I think I'm back in for a 15 game package are next year for 2022. They, yeah. They, 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 yeah. It's yeah. already the Castile thing's already paying off. They got Mitch Levy to buy 15 games. I, I just, you know. <laughs> No, it is. It's going to be fun, and I'm excited for these next ten games. It's an encouraging. It's an encouraging next few years to have. I mean, ro- the rotation yeah. being so solid. It's great. You would imagine they're going to be in every season now. They're going to be in races every season now. So, and the expansion of the playoffs where there's three wild card teams. There you go. Love it. There you go. Uh, three interviews, and so, then are we doing Huskies and the other stuff? We'll lead off with the Huskies. Yeah, I want to hear what other- you said. That just. Clearly rubs some people the wrong well, way. Well, they think the Levy, you know what the Levy jinx is? I think I could do the math on what it is, yes. Okay. You, you say things and then it typically goes, yeah. Sort of like when you were completely out on the Mariners when you wanted to fire everyone. And then they they set records for win streaks before Thanks all-star Thanks for bringing games. that up. We were having such a lovely time together. <laughs> and the Mariners. I keep oh, telling you, be you. The, just, the Mariners have be, 22 just games love left. Yourself, they they only have two against a team with a winning record. They got 20 with it. Yeah, three and seven against those. Crappy teams that can't you stop just, looking at their vacation plans. You just be careful of your Google searches. <laughs> okay. All right. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment. Hey, look who's back. Look who's back. Jordan Flowers, cross-country mortgage. You hear what I did there? Cross-country mortgage in Kirkland, weathering the interest rate storm to continually provide his clients cost-cutting opportunities how are you, Jay Flo? Doing great. We're back in the swing of things with school starting, kids' activities. It's a fun time. What's new over there? What are you working on these days? You know, we are staying incredibly busy really right now. It's just educational information for agents and buyers. We're helping agents with their listings, trying to help them see win-win scenarios for their sellers and buyers, trying to keep sales prices up for those sellers to get all the equity they can in the home, but also help buyers see the monthly payment that they kind of had slated in their head. So putting together different payment options and programs for them there. And then holding a lot of home buyer seminars, home buyer classes. So if anybody listening is interested in just coming to an informational home buying seminar and what's available to you and what to be looking for when buying a home, then email me and we'll get you on the next slated home buying class. Okay, I'll ask you for your email at the end. Because borrowing money has become hopefully temporarily expensive, we've seen a little slowdown in home values, but not as much as you would think. Why do you think that is, Jordan? Yeah, we've not seen much of a dip here. And you might read in the newspapers that a huge crash is coming. We don't really see that happening and playing out in this market. I think we have a very strong economy in general in this Seattle market. We've always been protected, even in the worst times. The last time we went through this in 08, 09, but really prices have leveled out. We're not 
depreciating, we're just not appreciating as quickly. So I would say still, it's a great time to list. You might not be getting a million dollars over list like we were at the beginning of the year, but we're still gaining value. Yeah. And overall in King County, it's maybe two, 3% right now, but pure Snohomish, we're still looking great. You and your team, of course, kind of famously made the career shift from the former company, let's call it, to cross country. What does that change mean to your clients, Jordan? Yeah, the the switch was really an opportunity for us to have more programs and products available to a larger audience base that we work with, self-employed borrowers, unique income scenario borrowers, investment property buyers, and just a more direct line to underwriting for us to make more make sense decisions on the clients that we have, as well as a much larger product offering for jumbo buyers. Okay. So opened up the product mix for us. If you want to take a class or you want to learn a little bit more about home buying, what's the, uh, you always give us your phone number. What's the email for Jordan Flowers? Yeah, my email is Jordan, J O R D A N, period, flowers, F L O W E R S, at myccmortgage.com. Jordan.flowers at myccmortgage.com. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Penix looks to the end zone, and it's caught! Oh, Dunze! Spectacular catch! All righty, it's time for our weekly visit with my pal Rick Neuheisel, the CBS College football analyst. It's presented by all the terrific Taco Time Northwest locations, my Tuesday lunch destination every week during the season. He's done it, ladies and gentlemen. He went against Bob Levy's advice. He didn't quit, and we (laughs) eked out. And when I say eked, we eked out a Duke underdog cover against Kansas, although I'll have you know, Neuheisel, that if you didn't make the wager when Neuheisel made the pick early in the week, you could have lost because the the number went down to seven. Everybody who waited to the end to make the pick, they're losers. They didn't. You got to make the pick when Neuheisel tells you to make the pick. We can call this unfiltered if you choose. <laughs> I, I choose to call it the early bird special. <laughs> the early bird Catches the worm. Uh, That's what I tell you. Okay. The early bird. The early That's what bird. we got. How? Do- yeah. Everybody listen to us as we're on this heater of a roll. Yeah. You know, we're doing work here <laughs> on your program. And uh, they, they shifted the line. You can understand that. Uh, did you watch any of the game? I'm still. Uncertain. Oh, I watched. I watched uh, a good portion of it. They, you know, when we're sitting in the studio, they get they, they bring in these banks of television sets. So, yeah, yeah. it's almost like overkill like you have to literally settle in because your eyes are moving so fast from screen to screen you're really not getting anything so you've got to just kind of focus but uh yeah i the the, uh jalen daniels kid the quarterback for kansas is is doing a tremendous job and and lance leipold you know good for him it's one of 13 coaches in the fbs who've won national championships somewhere he won his at wisconsin whitewater uh, division three school was at Buffalo and then got the job and a couple of his Buffalo kids have joined him there in Lawrence. And it's a great story. They get Iowa state this week. I had hoped that Iowa state would win against Baylor 
selfishly only so game day would have to at least consider mm-hmm. Lawrence, Kansas mm. as a spot for their uh, traveling carnival. Are you ready to stop at three and one? You're now at oh, 750. No. You're at 750. You don't have to press your luck. Bob would be so disappointed <laughs> if I quit now. No, oh. I'm ready. Okay. You, and, and, right. and by the way, yeah. at the end of our time together, when yeah. I reveal the, the next component of the, the heat missile that we're on, <laughs> get that bet down as early, early as you can. Oh. Yes. Well, I feel like our discussion needs to begin out here in the Pac-12. I typically, mm-hmm. I typically ask you each week, what did we learn about something? So this one is four-pronged. I'm going to put them all in a blender and let you kind of tell us what we now know about the Pac-12. We had Washington State had Oregon dead to rights and somehow let him off the hook. We had Oregon State similarly had USC in trouble late on Saturday night and let USC off the hook. Washington rolled. Utah rolled. So now what does Neuheisel think of the hierarchy given those four or five results about the Pac-12 as we speak right now? Well, you left off that UCLA gained their fourth victory without a loss. Now, we have not seen UCLA particularly tested yet. That will come this week on a Friday night when Washington goes down there and plays in the Rose Bowl. But uh, there's some good football being played in the Pac-12, and it makes for a darn interesting race. I think Lincoln Riley found out that much like Ryan day after that opening weekend win against Notre Dame, kind of to win one ugly and have his defense, the much maligned Buckeye defense from a year ago, help win that game. I think Lincoln Riley's kind of sitting there, get, you know, wiping his brow, but also thankful that a defense came up big in this game to help them get that win on the road in Corvallis. This was the first road game for SC. So that's a huge deal. I think, you know, Caleb Williams will learn from this game. Still a young quarterback, doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt, but he'll learn from being on the road and understanding that the Pac-12 is a competitive league. Uh, Utah, to me, is a really good team. They got Florida without benefit of film. They didn't get to see exactly what was going on like the other teams did. But you saw Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, perform much better against uh, Tennessee this last week. So I think Utah's a terrific team, although they lost a real key component as one of their tight ends uh, in that offense in the Arizona State win. Washington's the team right now. Washington is the team. Uh, I'm glossing over the Washington State loss, even though they had Oregon dead to rights. I think their defense is the strong suit of their team. And and I don't know that they can win with defense in this league. Oregon is definitely dangerous, but Bo Nix is inconsistent. So I'm going with Penix with the Kalen DeBoer aura over him. And I'm going with a very, very uh, good Husky defense. They're, they're clearly the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Washington's better than Utah. Washington is the most complete team given all that wow. I've seen. Wow. And I, th- and I think that they'll, uh, they'll handle the Bruins this week. As much as we all love upsets, before I get off of that first topic, I got to believe that it's a good thing for the conference as a whole that USC got through the oh, the Oregon State game to, Without keep, question. to keep them unbeaten and keep a Pac-12 presence 
atop the polls and in the in the national conversation. And absolutely no disrespect intended for the folks of Corvallis, the Oregon State football team, or Jonathan Smith. I think everybody's doing a great job. Those Washington State and Oregon State are the only two teams that no one thinks go in someplace else, right? They're the ones hanging on to the Pac-12 banner. With that being said, the nation needs to see the Trojans staying alive. Okay. The nation needs to see Utah winning impressively. And based on the victory that uh, Washington enjoyed over Michigan State, even though it's been a little bit hampered by the Minnesota win in East Lansing, I still think that those brands resonate nationally for the eyeballs to continue to look west. Rick Neuheisel, I sent out a tweet late on Saturday night that d- drew a an interesting reaction. Husky fans were like, Mitch, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll tell you what I said. That the Huskies are going to go on November the 12th to Eugene and face the Oregon Ducks for their annual clash that you know a little about. Between now and then, this 4-0 team is going to play at UCLA where they're a three-point favorite on Friday night. Could be a tough game because it's their first road game. Right. They're going to play at ASU. They're going to play home against Arizona. They're going to play at Cal, which is always a problem spot for them, but they should be favored in that game. And then they're going to be home against Oregon State. The five games between today, as we speak, and November the 12th in Eugene, at UCLA, at ASU, home against Arizona, at Cal, and home against Oregon State. Is it preposterous? preposterous that they could be nine and oh and in the top five or seven in all of college football heading into that rivalry game on November the 12th it's not preposterous at all they'll be favored in all of them yep I would say the two that uh, will give them the most trouble are the two against the UC schools this Friday night because uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson can create problems with his legs and I think UCLA is relatively healthy Getting these teams a little later is uh, gives, you know, probably a, depending on where the injuries fall. But I think uh, the UCLA game's probably about right where the where the line is. And then I would say the Cal game. You just saw Cal have a running back go for 270 yards against Arizona. And Justin Wilcox defends as well as any, as Husky fans remember, those two games. And, and you're not going to believe that Cal's capable of that if you're still undefeated at that time. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. those two games will be, the, will be the problem spots. But absolutely, they could be 9-0. I'll have you know that late in the telecast, in the Washington-Stanford telecast, I need you to clear something up for me. Your name came up on the telecast. A big win for Washington. It got lopsided at the end. I guess the announcers right. were looking for something to talk about. And and, and, <laughs> and lo and behold, landed on an old has-been uh, coach. Well, they landed on the Oregon-Washington rivalry. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the announcers said, you know, the, it's a vicious rivalry. And I think his quote was something like, I'm not sure I understand. I fully understand how it became so heated Rick Neuheisel had a lot to do with it. And I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. No, 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 no. Why are they throwing you under the bus? It's just an easy thing to do. (laughs) I've been under more buses than, uh, holy smokes, anybody you could think of. Uh, Yeah, I did not start that. 
You can go back to when they threw the interception. Sure. Uh, Damon Hewer. Yeah. Damon Hewer threw the interception to Kenny Wheaton. Yeah. And you know where Kenny Wheaton went to high school, Mitch? My high school. <laughs> That's your McClintock so now, High School. So now uh, we know. So this everything is rotates back to New High. So, so you deserve exactly right. you deserve to be but beneath the bus then. That perhaps. that deal and and the arrival of Oregon football taking yeah. on the big bag dogs, that was when it started. I didn't uh I had my role in pumping a little life into it. Right. Yep. Uh, but uh, no, no Braxton Clemen wearing that shirt, you know, with the uh, yeah. Northwest championship. Yes. Uh, as we danced on the O, yes. which was never intended, <laughs> okay. never intended. We were just out there to take a photo yes. of the scoreboard for my guys. Cause I was teaching them how you handle adversity. But at the end of the day, you own it. Right. And uh, it was a great win. And the Northwest, the first Northwest championship belonged to the, Washington Husky. Well, somebody clearly has to tell that television announcer that there was a picture taken many <laughs> years later with old Rick Neuheisel beneath the bus wearing an Oregon hat. We know. No, no, no. That was up in Phil Knight's. Uh, I know. I know where it was. Skybox. <laughs> I know where it was. Yeah, not beneath the bus. <laughs> there, I was prominently above the bus. That's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, I, I uh, in my uh, absence from the game, I had asked the, the great Phil Knight for some tickets, and he yeah. said, yeah, come up. And he said the guy asked for to take a picture, and, um, you know, as, as the uh, accommodating guest would do, I took the photo. Yeah, you took the photo. Listen, the Huskies we, can't be mad at me. They no. fired me. What the heck? <laughs> They're not mad at you. No one's mad at you. Everybody's giggling along with you. Not at you, but but with you. Listen, there were some incredible results in college football this past weekend. I don't know that we need to go into huge depth on any of them, but I'd certainly like your thoughts on a few of them. I have the Clemson-Wake Forest thriller. Right. We've got Oklahoma losing again to Kansas State. How about... Miami, how much? How big of a favorite was Miami over Middle 25 Tennessee? Twenty-five points. Tennessee 25 State. Points. They had Auburn in Missouri playing a game where oh. at, at halftime it was fourteen that was the to pink fourteen. Slip bowl. The that pink, was the pink slip the bowl. Pink, I I read this and I, I I don't know maybe I didn't see the game but I can't even believe this is true that it was fourteen to fourteen when they came out for the third quarter. And it was. Here, and here were the following possessions in the in the third and fourth quarter. Punt, 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 turnover on downs, miss field goal. That was the that was those are the possessions in the chart at the second half. Yeah. Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach for Missouri, decided at the game's end he had the ball inside the five. And rather than punch it in, win the game, he said, We're gonna just line up for a field goal. They took a knee from the three yard line, like three different downs. And then walked out for the chip shot. And a kid by the name of Beavis. Oh, no. <laughs> no, Meavis. Meavis. Yeah. That rhymes with Beavis. Okay. Kid named Meavis goes out there who had made 80 straight extra points. Oh, no. Misses. Oh. Then uh, Auburn gets the ball first, kicks a field goal. Now it's Missouri's turn, and the kid breaks free. He's running into the end zone, reaches the ball out. It falls out of his hands oh my God. and rolls into the end zone. Uh, I am telling you, Brian Harson would not have made it to the parking lot. He would he would have been canned <coughs> at, at the parking lot. Jeez. And somehow, some way, an 80, 80 in a row field goal kicker misses. Yes. And a guy reaching the ball from the one where it will be first and goal at the one 
decides to roll one into the lawn bowling in the end zone and Auburn escapes. That's college football. Clemson, Wake Forest, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Arkansas, Clemson. Texas A&M. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think DJ Uyunglele, we saw kind of rise up. Now, if he's a complete quarterback, we'll wait and see. But that was a huge confidence boost for him. Okay. Sam Hartman had six touchdown passes. The Wake Forest offense is going to be copied by a lot of teams. You're going to see that. As a matter of fact, it's being copied a little bit by Kansas. It's a fun offense. They call it the mesh, the real long handoff, and then he'll wait in there. But six touchdown passes against a really good Clemson defense. That was eye-catching. The Oklahoma loss, you know what? Give Chris Kleiman a lot of credit. And Adrian Martinez, a transfer quarterback from Nebraska, had over 100 yards rushing, ended up being uh, turnover-free as a passer. Those are all good numbers. Kleiman's name will be in the Nebraska search, mark my words, along with Lance Leipold, both those Kansas coaches. And uh, the final, that Texas A&M win, yeah. you know, Jimbo Fisher's won ugly the last two weeks. And I think Max Johnson has the right kind of recipe at quarterback not to turn it over, to keep them in games. They'll go on the road this week to play Mississippi State. Um, did you see what happened on the field goal at the end of the game? I, I, th I, thought, I thought I saw that Arkansas was going in for a for a, a, a touchdown that was going to put the game away, and there was a 97-yard. Wasn't there a fumble? No, that was in the first half. That, that was, was in the first half. half. Okay, okay. K.J. Jefferson tried to leap into the yeah, uh, end yeah, zone. Yeah. The ball got popped out of his hands. And then there was a handoff. The defender that recovered the ball was going to be stopped, but he handed off to one of his Aggie teammates who did the rest of the running right. into the end zone. Right. But uh, Arkansas is going to win the game. They were only down two, and they hit the upright. The top of the upright oh, in, in our AT&T Stadium there in Arlington, and it bounced straight up in the air oh my God. and fell literally two yards short of the crossbar. I mean, it was like no way that just happened. Oh my! But that's god. college football. Oh my god! C.J. Stroud five touchdowns against Wisconsin. Bryce Young three eighty five against Vandy. Who's ahead of whom for the uh, for the Heisman? If one of those guys is the leader for the Heisman, I think Bryce Young just because of that uh, magical moment he had at Texas. If we had to vote now, but I think Michael Penix has joined it. And the other guy, a guy I want to point out, was doing some work. Oh, was. Hennon Hooker, the okay. quarterback for Tennessee, the game on CBS this last this past weekend, Hooker was fabulous. He ran for over 100 yards. He threw for about 360, 370, was brilliant. He's a mature kid. He's 24 years old. But when you're taking care of the football as well as he does and your legs are as important to the offense, and then when they gang up on the formations that Josh Heupel builds with really wide receivers – uh, and you're able to take advantage of whatever they give you because of your athleticism, you're a special player. They're going to have a game in two weeks against LSU in the Bayou. Obviously, they both are, have Georgia and Alabama left. He'll have plenty of moments to prove that he's worthy, but put him in the conversation right now because, Mitch, he's doing some work. Okay, so that's your doing some work candidate? That's my doing right. some work guy, Hennon Hooker. Can I have one? Yes. All right. Taco Time Northwest celebrates everyone that loves to do some work and is always looking to better its team by adding a new quality employee that enjoys working. Great perks and compensation packages and positions across the board. Let me tell you who was doing some work that I'd like to honor. Me. I'd like to honor. And I, I'm wondering, my guess is you don't know the story. I'm kind of hoping you don't know the story of Little Warner College. Do you know anything little, about little, little Warner. Warner College? LWU, I'm not no. aware. <laughs> Warner, so Warner College, I didn't know anything about. 
is in Lake Wales, Florida, kind of the okay. lake, like the Lakeland area, Orlando area, center of the state. Okay. They have 815 total students at Warner College. They are the Royals. And their football team went on the road and played Stephen F. Austin this past weekend. <laughs> I saw this score. Stephen F. Austin should be ashamed. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you, I'm paying <laughs> homage. Right. I'm pay, no, no. But it goes much further. <laughs> I am paying homage to Little Warner College for those kids that had the courage and, and the competitiveness to step on the field they lost 98 to nothing. Now, the Stephen F. Austin team scored with a few minutes to go and lined up for two. They were up 98 nothing, and Stephen F. Austin, with a two-point conversion, goes 100 to nothing, but instead they go down on one knee and they don't attempt the two-point conversion so that the final score is 98 nothing. But my hat is off to the Royals, and let me tell you why. They go to Stephen F. Austin after losing the previous week to Kaiser University in Lakeland, 44-7. to And the week before that, they lost 52-3 to to the University of West Florida in Pensacola. And the week before that, they lost 49-22 to Florida Memorial University in Miami <laughs> Gardens. So they are you, now... You don't want to get Florida Memorial at their place. Let you me just say, don't want to get them there. So... Tiny Little Warner College, after their 98-0 loss this weekend, is 0-4. And I salute every one of them and wish them luck because this week <laughs> they play their home opener and it's their homecoming game against a bitter rival called Weber International. Now, let me tell you about Weber International. <laughs> Weber International is coming off of a 1-0 forfeit victory <laughs> over the University of Fort Lauderdale. This is a true story. This past weekend, Weber beat Fort Lauderdale one to nothing because Fort Lauderdale forfeited. In fact, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, in their opening game on September the 3rd, was trailing at a place called Erskine College. Of course. Okay? They were <laughs> trailing. This, they were trailing. Fort Lauderdale was. 49 to 2 with 6 minutes to go in the second quarter they were down 49 to 2 and they walked off the field they literally walked off the field you sure that wasn't a play call no that wasn't a play call <laughs> and they claimed they walked off the field because they didn't have enough offensive linemen left so they quit the game with 6 minutes that was their opener Rick Neuheisel I'll have you know they have forfeited every single game since they have refused to play all of their games since. So that's my long-winded way of saying, you know who was doing work? Little Warner College, the Royals, who are 0-4, who lost 98 to nothing to Stephen F. Austin was doing some and, work. And here comes Weber International, <laughs> who uh, their alums call WIU and just affectionately call YU. YU. That's that's who's coming. Why you? Exactly. Because. Why you? Because. That's their cheer. And and I'll have you know that as a as a as a a man who was born and raised and spent a large part of my life in the state of Florida, 
I just named five schools for you I had never heard of <laughs> until last night as I prepared for who was doing work with Rick. I have never heard of any of these colleges and any of these schools. So there I you got go. turned down by Erskine. Otherwise, I might have been there. <laughs> I, I couldn't get in. So I couldn't might, get in. You might have made something of yourself. Okay, so this is the end of the show. Uh, everybody knows by now you lost the opener, but then you turned around with Kansas State and Florida State, and now Duke, and you cashed three times. You're three and one. You're 750. This is a chance for you to walk out of the casino with house money, but you're not going to do that, are you? Tell Bobby just to relax. <laughs> this thing is on fire. We're doing some work okay, here. Okay. Okay. We are going to go. We saw a beautiful upset by Middle Tennessee. The Blue Raiders shocked the football world. They were 0-24 previously against uh, AP-ranked teams. Uh, that, that's no longer. Rick Stock still gets it done. 1-24 now against top 25 teams. In comes to, what's the little town there outside of Nashville that this, this deal, uh, they're just outside of Nashville, Middle Tennessee is. Okay. In comes... UTSA, the oh. Roadrunners. Oh, yeah. With Frank Harris as their yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Right now, Frank Harris and the Roadrunners are a five and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Roadrunners to meet me over the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. They're going to get in a lot of attaboys, yeah. a lot of pats on the back. I know the grinder Rick Stockstale is. He'll be trying to recalibrate them, but I'm taking the Roadrunners in a Conference Beautiful. USA tilt. Beautiful. They're in Murfreesboro. That's the town. Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. What you're doing here is you're taking line value. You're saying that had this game been played last week before Middle Tennessee State did what they did, ten points, it would have been ten, 10 or twelve or fourteen points, something like that. So yep. we're getting a we're getting a Bobby Levy loved a bargain. We're we are doing getting, some work here. We're getting I'm just a bargain. You, we are going to take. <laughs> we right. are going to understand the attaboy mystique. Yes, and we're going to take the Roadrunners as they try to get back to the Conference USA Championship game. And your parting shot is you expect a tough game, but for. For Washington on Friday night, or you don't expect a tough game? Oh, no, I think that'll be a real uh, barn burn. I think, it, you know, everybody traveling down there to the Rose Bowl is going to be in for a treat. Okay. Get there early, though. Friday traffic in L.A. is a pain in the tail. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheisel presented by Taco Time Northwest. Thank you, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. Mitchie, take care, pal. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, and Wingpoint member guest champion, Lindsey Schwartz. Should we tell everybody that it was like Flight 26, or should we leave that part out? Well, we should leave it out because it's not true. It's also not true that I was the overall champion, but we were champions of the fifth flight, okay. which I feel pretty good about. And, and you know, you probably think you'd be in the first flight, but I'm, I'm guessing you'd be like in the third or fourth. Third flight. or fourth flight. Only only one flight ahead of Lindsay Schwartz. Yeah, one. <laughs> you guys just had a Seattle version of the Bourbon Bash at the downtown location in the Hyatt. We haven't talked about the downtown location a lot. What's the progress over there since the pandemic? Yeah, you know, I mean, that was closed for several months. And uh, we opened the bar, just bar only about a year ago. And then a few months ago, we've opened the dining room. So now the bar and dining room are open seven nights a week. It's getting a little bit busier every week. We're really happy with the progress. As a matter of fact, I took the family to Hamilton a couple of weeks oh. ago. And uh, we parked at the Hyatt, had dinner at Daniel's, walked to the Paramount. It's like a block and a half away. 
The show's awesome, by the way. I know you're a you're a big musical guy. Have I you know. seen Hamilton? I have not seen Ham. I've seen the oh. I've seen the TV version, but I've not been to a show of Hamilton. How many times have you seen it? You know, I've seen it a few. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, people are going to make fun of me. I have seen it, and I love it. And you definitely should do it. And you definitely should have dinner yeah, at Daniel's yeah. before. How about football season at Dan? I don't know that people kind of connect Daniel's for football season, but there's some. There's some opportunities at Les Shy before and after games and viewing opportunities at Bellevue. Tell us about football season at Daniels. Yeah, transitioning from musicals to football, <laughs> only on Mitch's podcast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, football, you know, Les Shy is open for lunch every day, including the weekends. And that's a great place to go before a game. I do it all the time before Seahawks games. And every once in a while, I'll go to a Husky game. It's super conveniently located to both those stadiums. So great place to go for lunch. All three Seattle locations are convenient for dinner after a football game. And then I like watching games at Bellevue in Prime 21 up there. We've got the big screen TV and the couches, and it's a really fun place to watch a game. I got to tell you, Daniels Broiler has been an amazing partner since the radio days and now with Unfiltered since the beginning. When you think of football, maybe you don't quickly think of Daniels Broiler, but now you will. Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. London is in for the touchdown. On fourth and 18, Geno Smith, a lot of room to run, but he needs that first down, throws it a crowd, and it's intercepted. Atlanta with a takeaway. Richie Grant. There's things that we have to do better. We, we can't give up to this. The rushing yards we're giving up, um, it's, it's too much. And uh, I have a lot of respect for their run game because I have a lot of respect for the way they do it in 84. And uh, um, he was, he was uh, I think, the difference today. It's Seahawks no table time. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. Joe Fan, win bet Las Vegas. Taco time Northwest is an awesome partner, presenting sponsor, of the no table, my go-to, the Casita Burrito on Tuesdays. No beans, no beans, Joe. Light Ranch, I'm not a beans guy. I'm also team no beans. You're no beans, no beans. Ever. No beans. Uh, I'm on the opposing team there. Yeah, give me beans. You want beans. 27-23, Hawks fall to the Falcons, now 1-2 and two on the season. Joe Fan, why did the home team lose? Is it as easy as the defense continues to be a colossal disappointment for the Seahawks. Yeah, you give up 17 carries for a buck 41 to Cordero Patterson, you're going to have a tough time winning a football game. Credit to the offense, it looked better certainly than you had seen the last six quarters, um the last two against Denver and all four against uh, the Niners, but y- yeah, they they got into a shootout with the Falcons and this team isn't necessarily equipped to to win shootouts and defensively they're just an absolute mess. They miss Jamal Adams dearly. Uh the injuries are are taking its toll and the Atlanta Falcons have been very competent through three weeks. They should have beat the Saints in week one. They had the ball down six in plus territory in week two against the Rams. So it's no surprise to see them come in and play well. And that's why, Mitch, you and I uh, picked the Falcons to win this game. I think your KP must have been almost almost just perfectly on the nose. What, you had 26-20? Or something like that. Was not so. a hole in one. Was not a hole in one. Was just a gimme tap in birdie. That's all it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a, a big hot take of of why. Brady, the Falcons, 386 yards on 54 plays. They averaged seven yards per play, six yards per running play, 
11 yards per pass attempt. 11 yards per pass attempt for Marcus Mariota. The Seahawks forced one punt. I don't think they've I don't think they've forced more than five punts over three weeks combined. I might be wrong about that. What's wrong with the defense? Any explanations after the game? And, and unless you disagree, why did they lose the game on Sunday? Well, I, yeah, I think they lost because their defense is not good. And, you know, their offense showed a lot of progress in this game, but failed to come through at the end. And, and I don't mean to put this loss on them. That's not what I'm doing at all, because this was mostly on the defense. But it seemed like they were going to play games like this, this season, where they're good enough to stay in games. And and I think this game is going to be more representative of how things go than the last game. I don't think they're going to get blown out a ton. I think they're going to be competitive enough to stay in games, but they don't have the quarterback that they used to, who was as good as any quarterback that we've seen over the last decade at, at pulling those games out at the end. So that was the offensive side of it. The defense is just a mess right now. As Joe said, I think they're very much missing Jamal Adams, uh, especially in the run game. I think part of it, too, is that they are struggling with their transition to a new defense. You know, that's an issue when you only have three preseason games and, uh, you know, you're not doing a whole lot of tackling in the summer. That said, they were running a familiar defense the last couple of years, and they also started uh, historically bad out of the gate. So this is a very curious early season trend for them where they just, it takes them time to figure it out on defense. But yeah, there was just plenty of blame to go around. I I think, you know, we should get into the curious decision that Pete Carroll made on fourth and two uh, to pull his offense back off the field and kick the field goal there. So plenty of reasons why they lost this game, but I think the defense is is the biggest one. We'll get to that in a second. Your implication was that this is going to get better defensively that the Seahawks will improve defensively as we go along. Jamal Adams is not coming back, if that's a big part of this. What uh, what can you do to convince me that the Seahawks are going to get better defensively? That they've done it the last couple of years. And, you know, not that they were lights out. Uh, although, you know, in 2020, I think they ended up being pretty good over the final, you know, 10 weeks or so of the season. But there's just, even without Adams there, there's enough talent. I don't think they're going to be the best defense in the NFL by any means, but... They, they are playing below their level of talent right now. You know, you've got some question marks there, but not enough question marks to be getting gashed the way that they are. And that suggests to me that it is more about some unfamiliarity with the scheme than it is about just being overmatched week in and week out. But, you know, we'll see. They're going to have the excuse for a while of pivoting to a new defensive system going from the 4-3 to the 3-4. And that has not been a seamless transition as we're seeing. But there's too much continuity on the defensive side of the ball, coaching wise for it to be this bad and for this to be a talking point each and every year. And I don't know how you don't put some of the blame, a lot of the blame question mark on Pete Carroll. And, you know, as it trickles down, Clint hurt as this season goes along, the Seahawks are going to need to figure out which players are foundational pieces that they can build around. Uh, when they, when they try to turn this thing around, um, you know, building it really from the ground up once they get their quarterback in place. But I think there's also, it's worth evaluating. I mean, is Pete Carroll the guy for the job to still have the reins of this team when you are hoping to flip the switch and be a contender once again? I think it's everything should be up for evaluation this season. So go ahead, give the answer to your question. Uh, I would probably say no. Now, is it easier said than done to replace him? 100%. But you know, I think I've I've said this on this podcast for years. I just I think 
you know, and we're going to talk about the decision that, that he made to kick the field goal instead of going for it. It's a defense that's his, that's not playing well again out of the gate. And then it's the continued game management miscues that it just feels like he will never get up to speed the way, to way he needs to be. The issue is it's hard to find a good head coach. Look at Brandon Staley right now. He was the boy wonder uh, after one year in Los Angeles with the Rams goes to LA and then he's going for every fourth down uh, they have. And, you know, getting a ton of praise for it, this, that, and the other, but they just got thumped by the Jags at home today. So I don't trivialize what it would take to find. He's a Pete Carroll's almost like the, it's like the Kirk cousins of coaches. Like you can do so much better than I really do believe that, but you can do so much worse than him as well. And so finding the guy that's better is no guarantee. When did the chargers get thumped by the Jaguars, Joe? Today on uh, on Sunday. On Sunday. It happened on Sunday. It happened on Sunday. The Jaguars got him on Sunday. The Jaguars got him on Sunday. Brady, what you described about Geno, I want to go back to something that you said about Geno Smith. And it it may be right on, and Joe can jump in here. I was going to ask Joe his opinion on that, that the Seahawks are going to play in a lot of close games like they did on Sunday against the Falcons, but they don't have the quarterback to get them over the top at the end. That's reminiscent to what happened in the four games that he played in a year ago. They seemed to be all winnable, and for whatever reason, they just couldn't get it done at the end. And we're blaming Geno Smith, but on the other hand, Damian Lewis, a holding penalty, two holding penalties, one that put them in a dramatic hole, and then the offensive line breakdown. I, for one, think that Geno should have gotten rid of the ball when he took the sack on third down. I think he had enough time just to get rid of it to bring up like fourth and eight instead of fourth and forever. But yeah. are we unfairly saying that Geno couldn't get him over the top, or were there other offensive reasons? And I hate to concentrate on the offense because for me, I'm just one person. This was all about a continuing defensive failure that we've seen in the first three weeks. If it weren't for those goal line stands, those goal line stands against Denver on Monday night. Now you got to give them credit. The defense came up with those plays, but if it weren't for those goal line defensive stands, this team would be 0 and three. And we would be talking about one of the worst five defenses in the National Football League in a year where everybody told me during the offseason, Brady, what's going to happen here is they're going to really struggle offensively because they're still looking for their quarterback. We don't know who the quarterback is, and it's going to be tough. But they got some good, bright, young defensive players, and they're going to be good on that side of the ball. That's what I was told. That's what I was conditioned to believe heading into this year. So I've I've thrown a lot at you. Let's start with is it fair to say that Geno didn't get him over the top on a day where he threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, and there were some critical mistakes by his coach and his offensive line down the stretch. Yeah, that's all fair. Again, I don't put this loss on him, but the fact is, you know, they had a a decent chance to win that game. And part of that was because he drove them down the field, you know, to the, what was it? The 30 uh, or the 24 yard line. So he, he, he looked pretty good on that drive. But my point in all this is I just think that there is a, a specific skill, a lot mentally, in addition to a lot physically, to pull those games out when they're chaotic and there's all the pressure uh, and everything is on the line. And I just, uh, my point is that Russell Wilson was very good at that for a number of reasons. And that is, I think, going to be one of the main areas that you see a drop off in just because it's not easy to do that. And, and I, you know, I'm really not faulting Smith for all this because 
those things are hard to pull off. And Russell Wilson was very good at him. And so my, my point, I guess, is that that's just one area where you're going to see them miss Russell okay. Wilson, I think, the most. Go back. Go back, if you would, to what you brought up. We can jump. Uh, all of us can jump in on this. It's 2020. The Seahawks have the ball. It's fourth and two. It looks as if they're going to go for it on fourth and two in a tie game and forego the field goal attempt. And then confusion, a timeout that you desperately, by the way, needed later. Classic Pete Carroll. Classic Pete Carroll. You call the timeout there, waste the timeout, and then you send the you send the field goal unit out there. You would think after using the timeout, you'd say, okay, let's come out with an offensive play since we, we're going to do that anyway. Let's come up with the right offensive play and go for it. Did anybody have any explanation after the game as to what happened there? Not a full explanation, but something of an explanation. And, and Pete Carroll really did. He declined to go into too much detail. I guess he just didn't want to give away the whole thought process. But a couple of things he did say were that they very much were going to go for it there. So it wasn't a case of them lining up just for the you know attempt to try to draw Atlanta offsides. Um, and he said that, you know, they the players were just out of whack on the field and that they weren't ready. Uh, for that play. And, and Geno Smith backed that up in his later comments about it. So it does not sound like it was a case of, um, you know, Carroll and Waldron going back and forth on the play call and not agreeing on what to run there. It was more about, you know, he said something that happened on the previous player based how the previous play went, players just weren't ready to run it. So I, I would like more of an explanation on that because I don't really still fully understand what that was. You know, that, that would explain the decision to call a timeout there. I get that. That, now that they, would not explain right, right, that would not explain the decision to go to, for a field goal now. Right. To not send the offense back out on the field there. My theory is that Pete Carroll felt like the advantage that they have in going for it right after that third down play was eliminated because remember they were going hurry up on that drive. So I, I think part of the appeal in going for it there was them knowing that okay, Atlanta is probably tired. Defense is probably worn out because they've been on the field with Seattle going no huddle. And you know, when you're going no huddle as an offense, the defense doesn't have time to sub in. So Seattle is catching them. They're be able to dictate the defensive personnel there. And, you know, all of that goes out the window when you stop the clock. They get a chance to catch their breath. They get a chance to sub in their desired personnel. So maybe they felt like the advantage of going for it on fourth down right after the third down play uh, was eliminated. I think whether it was the right move or the wrong move, I think that it put too much faith in a defense that did not deserve it, that had not earned it, certainly with what they did last week against San Francisco and laying an egg, and certainly not what they had shown in the first, you know, nearly three quarters of that game. We're a lot at, of deja vu there with that explanation from Brady. You closed your eyes and you saw many games you know, of the past, didn't you? Just the 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 quote, he put faith in a defense that hadn't earned that faith. I wrote that tweet. 30 times when I was covering the Seahawks last, those two seasons. Yeah. I mean it, and that's what I mean. It's classic Pete Carroll, the, 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 the conservative decision, the wasted timeouts, the, the, the silly challenges, like it all goes into it. That's just kind of my takeaway from listening I, to Brady I, wax poetic. But, right. But I, I mean, I don't think the timeout there is the mistake. If your guys aren't ready to run the play there, then calling a timeout, even though you might need it later, I sure. think is better than running a play that you feel like is, bound to no, hold on not work. hold on you could not call the timeout take the five yard delay a game penalty 
And then what was the what was the field goal attempt? How long was 30, it? 31 yards. So it's 36 instead of 31, and you save the timeout if you're going to go for three anyway. And now you've got three timeouts when you give the ball away inside the two-minute warning on the interception. You need three. Two doesn't help you inside the two minutes, two timeouts, after you give the ball away. You need the third. So if you're going to kick a field goal anyway, you could have kicked the 36-yarder. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, if you have an absolutely automatic kicker, maybe that decision is a little easier. I just, I don't know if you feel comfortable giving up five yards, even though it still wouldn't be a relatively short one. All right. Well, uh, let me update you. We'll get to who was doing work presented by Taco Time Northwest and all the terrific locations of Taco Time, always looking for new people to join their team and do some work. Before we get there, let me give you an update on the KP, although We'll pick the next KP on the patron show this week as the Seahawks get ready for the Detroit Lions. We do we do two shows a week together, the Seahawks Note Table, one on the Monday shows and one for patrons only that uh, is released on Friday. Uh, both Joe and I had the right winners, so that knocks Brady out of the KP for hole three, and I was slightly higher on my score. I had 26-20. You had 20-17, which makes... Uh, which puts me atop the KP standings. I have one. I have two, and you have one. Yes. There you Thank go. Thank you. So, who was doing some work presented by Taco Time Northwest? Joe Fan, you get the pick of the litter. We'll let you go to the buffet line first, but you have to assure Brady and I that you're going to allow us, after you take your portion, your hefty portion for your six-foot-seven frame of turkey this Thanksgiving, allow Brady and I to go get our first portion before you you come back for seconds. Can you do that for us? That's fair. I, I can okay. make that that promise to you and agree to those okay. terms. Okay. Uh, I'm going with Tom Kim. Tom Kim. The, in, in a losing effort. Were you – hold on. Club, were you rooting for would, the – you might have been rooting for the international. You like the underdog. You were kind of rooting for the international team, weren't you? No, I wasn't. Come on. Yes, I, you I, were. Yes, you no, were. A I, little bit. I'll tell you if I was. Okay. I was rooting for Tom Kim hard. Okay. okay. But I, the American team is too likable. I love Justin Thomas. I love Jordan Spieth. Max Homa is an awesome, awesome player. Xander. Kim, I mean, actually, Cantley is kind of a snooze, but... Regardless, <laughs> uh, you like it when he licks his lips? Is, yeah, it's just so uncomfortable. Uh, a, we digress. I was pulling for Team USA, but all weekend I was cheering hard for Tom Kim. Um, what was it on the Saturday round? Yes. International team desperately needs a point. Uh, his Siwoo Kim's out of the hole. He's 237 yards away on 18. They're tied. They got to win the hole. From 237 yards out, he hits a two iron to like seven feet and then buries the putt, throws the hat, screaming. <laughs> I you were rooting. It. You were rooting for the international team. It's okay, Joe. You were rooting a little bit for the international team. I was rooting for Tom Kim. <laughs> he's the on, lead was by the safe. way, he's on the Brady, he's on the international team. So if he was rooting for Tom Kim, was he rooting for the American team or was he rooting for the the international team. I, I, I think it maybe is like when you're watching your team play and you have somebody on fantasy, like oh, I the see. other <laughs> team. So you, you want that player to do well, but you really want your team to win. Okay. I just loved it. This All guy right. steps up to the tee box. He's, he's getting the crowd into it. Like it's the wire, uh, you know, waste management open in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, he's club twirling a drive that goes straight into a bunker. Uh, he was a blast, you know, closing his eyes, not watching his teammates putt because he was so nervous, helping them read putts. He just, he was uh, an emotional roller coaster all weekend. And I, as someone who's also kind of an emotional basket case, can relate to that. 
Um, it was a lot of fun for him to watch. He was probably my highlight of the weekend, especially given how dom- dominant the tournament was for the Americans. Okay, Brady. So, so Tom Kim was doing some work. Was doing work. Yes, he was. Taco Time Northwest. He'd fit on the staff well. Brady, what do you got? Who who in the ESPN.com family do you have this week for us? Well, nobody, because I was chided last week. <laughs> I was harangued for uh, picking an ESPN employee for two straight weeks. So I'm going to go in a different direction, but I'm going to stick with golf and uh, really? tell you that the good people who run Trophy Lake Golf Course over there in Port Orchard, they are doing some work because that is just a fantastic course. And I was reminded of it on Saturday when I went out there and played. <laughs> what are you giving me that look for? I'm listening. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I just I just can't do anything right when the doing work segment. No, you're doing but you're doing great. Nonetheless. Does anybody over uh, there also work at ESPN.com? Could you can not you? that I'm aware of. No. Trophy Lake's a good track. It's a Trophy good Lake, track. it's it's by far the best Oki course, in my humble opinion. Okay. Really well maintained, really interesting course. And uh, I didn't have a great round, but it was one of those cases where I was just so impressed by how nice the course is and, and how good the weather was that I, I still had a good time. My doing some work, nobody from the Seahawks Falcons game, although Cordero Patterson was doing some work, I think. Yeah. He was doing some work against the Seattle Seahawks. But I got to tell you, the medical staff of my <laughs> beloved Miami Dolphins getting to a up off the ground. The guy could hardly stand up. He couldn't He couldn't count to five. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what state he was. To have him ready, medically ready and prepared to play the beginning of the third quarter in a Dolphins victory over the Buffalo Bills. That's a medical staff, Brady, that was doing some work. Okay, I'm going to defend the <laughs> Dolphins medical staff here against the mountain of criticism that they've gotten. So the word was that Tua's back was locked up. And I can tell you, as somebody who has dealt with severe back pain before, that the way that Tua Tagovailoa went down in a heap there, that looked familiar as as somebody who has gone down similarly with uh, excruciating back pain. So, uh, you know, I it's plausible to me, at least, is what I'm saying, that it was a back issue and not the fact that he was woozy from taking a hit to his head. Joe... Who's the only undefeated team in the AFC, Joe Fan? The Miami Dolphins. Should we should we play the seventy two fight song? You want to sing it? You want to sing it together, all of you, us? The you three can of sing us? it. No, not yet. Three and O is three and O. They could go three and fourteen for all I know, but uh, they are three and O, and they do lead the AFC East. And it's been a long time for all of us long suffering Dolphins fans that we had anything like this exciting to cheer about. Now I wonder what it's going to be like on Thursday night in Cincinnati against the Bengals on Amazon TV. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Seahawks note table. We're together twice a week, once on Mondays, and then once released for the patrons on Friday. We will make our KP selections. Brady, don't let this thing get away from you. I mean, this is... uh, you don't want to. You don't want to dig a uh, an international team type of hole from the President's Cup for yourself. You know that, right? You guys are going to close me out, like you know how they do a match play. You're going to you're going to close me out, like fourteen and. Come on, Brady. Whatever it is. Yeah. Come on, Brady. Step to it. Step to the forefront, ladies and gentlemen. The Seahawks no table. Joe Fan in Las Vegas. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Mitch. And Brady Henderson. Read all of his stuff. ESPN.com and on Twitter. He'll be covering the Seahawks, picking up the pieces and previewing the Lions all week long. Thank you, Brady. Thanks.
And here she is, Senior Financial Planner for Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. How's everyone doing over there at Evergreen? Things getting a little better in the investing world, Katie? You know, we're, we're hanging in there. It's been a pretty bumpy ride, though, Mitch. Yeah. It's been an interesting summer, to say the least. Yes. Katie has three stump the band questions from the financial world, and I am ready. Is there a topic this time around? Yes. So we're doing a market update. It's been a very volatile ride across all financial markets this year. So I'm going to kind of quiz you on topics I've asked you about earlier this year, just to see how things have changed. Okay. Question number one. I'm ready. I've asked you several times this year, we've discussed U.S. consumer inflation. It's been really high this year. In May, the inflation increase was 8.6% year over year. And in June, it was 9.1%. What was that figure in July? Was it an 8% change? 85 or 9%. Just a stab, I'll go B8.5%, Katie. That's right. Yes! So while still very elevated at 8.5%, that's a very high rate, the figures came in lower than expected, and so that really boosted the market here in the last few weeks. So inflation is coming down a little bit. Which means... I can do no worse than 333, which is a great batting average on the Mariners. Go ahead. Question number two, Katie. Okay. So in April, I asked you about interest rates that you could earn on a six-month CD. In April of 2021, you could earn 0.17% interest on a six-month CD. And in April of 2022, you could get 0.2% interest. So even though at that time, the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates, it was not impacting savings rates for individuals. So today, what could you earn on a six-month CD? Is it 0.3%? 0.6% or 0.9%? I'll go 0.9%, Katie. That's right. Yes! Yes! Now that the Fed has raised interest rates several times, it's starting to trickle down where investors can earn a little bit more on some of these types of investments. So the Fed raised 0.75% in July, and they're being a little bit more aggressive trying to rein that inflation in. Well, I'm not sure in all the years that we're doing this, Katie, that I've ever gone three for three I don't know what I'm going to do if I go three for three on this one, but I'm ready to give it a try. What's question number three? Okay, so I'm giving you an easy one with the last one. It's a true or false question. True or false, both stocks and bonds are down this year. Absolutely true, because I know that when stocks are up, bonds are down and vice versa, but that's not the case this time around. That's right. You got that right. The S&P 500 is down about 17% this year, and bonds are down about 12% this year because of what the Federal Reserve is doing with raising interest rate. It has been negatively impacting the price of bonds. Just a very volatile time, and we at Evergreen have been very active in managing our portfolios and trimming when the markets are going up and buying when things are going down, and we think that volatility is here to stay for at least the short term and that it makes sense to to be actively managing a portfolio. Well, I hope our audience understands that I'm going to keep this one up on the uh, on the podcast for the next two or three years because I just I just went three for three before you finish Katie Versio you have a, a little survey that you guys are doing on the website yes if you go to evergreengk.com you can access our client compatibility survey where you can learn more about us and if you're interested in our management style and if we could be a good fit you can take our client compatibility survey talk about a great fit Evergreen Golf Call has been just a terrific partner and sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning where would we be without them evergreen golf call everything wealth unfiltered
If he's not looked at as a starter in this scenario, it might be over. Mike Tomlin, the coaching angle of this, you just mentioned it, EK. He plays to win. He wants to win at tiddlywinks. He wants to win, uh, you know, throwing balled up pieces of paper into the trash can. They run probably, for my money, eyes on the toughest camp in the NFL. It's episode 208 of Mitch Unfiltered, and look who's back with us. If it ain't NFL Insider and my longtime buddy, Jason Lockenfora, tell us, tell us, Jason, that your Orioles are going to come up short and we can rest easy here in Seattle. Please. Well, you you, you guys, last two days, the Astros, <laughs> man, fought us tooth and nail. We were out there Saturday night and... At three different points in time, I felt pretty good about where that game was. And then, unfortunately, Jordan Alvarez and the boys had a little something to, to say about that. And we squandered a bases-loaded situation with no outs and ended up losing. And then on Sunday, another heartbreaker and scramble back, tie that thing up, and then lose in extra innings. Uh, look, the, I mean, the Orioles finished the season against AL East teams since – the end of April, the Orioles are above 500 against the AL East, and, and they, they have beat up on the Sox all year. Um, the Jays will be tough. That's been uh, pretty much an even 50-50 series. You know, I don't know what the Yankees will have to play for when, when they come here at the end. So I think these guys will get themselves, you know, around 85 wins, 84 to 86 wins. It's just I don't. it's not going to be enough. You know, somebody would have to go on a real nosedive for them to be able to get in. Well, there's a team that's trying to go on that nosedive that we're very, very yeah. familiar with. They, on Sunday, uh, had an 11-2 to lead that they blew. To the Royals with cheese. Oh, I saw God. that. Oh, my goodness. God almighty. Yeah, it's it's not good. But, hey, we'll no take – No Julio for a while either. No. That's, that's not good. We'll take we'll – Will he be back for the playoffs? We don't yeah. know for sure, but I right. think so. I think so. I think this was as precautionary as it was mm -hmm. anything else. So – if he uh, if they make the playoffs, I'm assuming they're gonna they're gonna hold on. But boy, it's been a out of gas coasting to the finish line situation for the Seattle Mariners. They they just can't win again. Maybe maybe as they return home for the last ten games, they'll get it together and be a, a tough out in the postseason. But we didn't have on, uh, have you on to talk about baseball. Uh, your life has changed. We're talking to you on a regular show, which is new for us. This is a, the first season without the NFL today on CBS. How's uh, Lock and Fora holding up? What's your weekends like these days? They're good. They're busy, but uh, they don't involve, you know, for the first time in 14 years, me scrambling to catch a train or a plane on Sunday night home, and it doesn't feature me in a hotel room on a Saturday night. So, no, it's good. I can sprinkle in watching a little fall ball with the kids, working out of the house, um, doing, you know, some national radio stuff for Odyssey, doing a lot of stuff on the gambling side for CBS Sports HQ and CBS Sportsline, writing biweekly columns and reporting on the NFL for the Washington Post, where I spent 10 years, so that's been awesome. A lot of the same ed excuse me, editors and writers are there mm -hmm. from when I left in 2009. And then doing some other sort of, you know, NFL commentary, streaming stuff here and there and some other irons in the fire. But uh, no, like to be able to go out with my wife on Saturday night or go to a dance at my daughter's school, stuff I haven't really done since for her. I mean, she's a senior now. I mean, I've never really been able to do that stuff during the school year. So, no, I'm I'm really enjoying um, delving more into the gambling side of things and kind of having a little more freedom to kind of pick and choose what I want to do. How have you been doing on your picks? Um, <laughs> pretty good. 
pretty good. My, my, you know, week one is kind of a crapshoot. You know, that is what it is. But uh, my best bets have been coming through pretty good the last two weeks. We'll see. No, yeah, pretty good. The wildest thing we do is uh, we'll have these hour windows on Sportsline. So like week two and those four, four o'clock or one o'clock games for you guys, you know, and you've got the Arizona Raiders thing happening and you've got all these crazy games going on and we're doing real time shows like as different plays occur and the odds are changing in real time. This is the new over under, this is the new, you know, team total. This is the new player prop totals. And we're kind of making projections and, you know, in real time, Oh, I would bang the Jalen hurts anytime TD now. So yeah, I've had some of those come through in real time. Yeah. It's, it's a different sort of rush. You know what I mean? As we finish up week three in the national football league, Jason, it feels like to me, the top story is the AFC West. We all said going into the year that this was going to be one of the best divisions that we've seen since they expanded the division. They, They changed the division alignments. You got, the Chiefs losing on Sunday to a horrible Colts team, at least a team that was horrible. You've got the yeah. Chargers laying an egg in Jacksonville. The Raiders are 0-3. We all thought it was possible that, you know, three teams would make the playoffs out of the AFC West. What, yeah. a, what a bitter disappointment it's been so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's early, but it's, you know, it, it, we're building a sample size now, and people are starting to show you who they are. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of did something last week for the Washington Post. Like, maybe the entire AFC is not what we thought it was. You know, maybe it's the Bills and the Chiefs in one tier and then a whole bunch of teams in another tier and then the same old unwatchables. And it may end up being sort of like that when it all shakes out. They all have warts. There's so little activity now in the summer that I think different teams are sort of ramping up in September at different rates. So so that maybe has a little something to do with it. But yeah, look, I mean, the Raiders are 0-3. I could tell you, having watched those three games, that they were the better team in all three games. But you got to find a way to win, yeah. you know. And it's Carr with five, there's five sacks and four turnovers in the first one. You know, they outplay the Chargers. They're getting almost eight yards per play on first down. They're, they, you know, melt down at the end of drives. They've got Arizona. I mean, you can't beat a team more for one half than they were beating Arizona. And then they somehow blow that thing. And then even against Tennessee today, it's, that game is there for them, and they can't they can't grab it. This Herbert injury is significant. It's not going to get better. I'm astonished that Brandon Staley had him on the field in the third and fourth quarter. I, I can't predict the future, but that's 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 not a good thing. When you've got to shoot him up to practice, maybe just don't practice him. Maybe maybe give him a week or two. That's why you pay a backup quarterback. Uh, and Brandon Staley's defense looks as bad as it's ever looked in this thing with Russ and that coach who's been completely overwhelmed. That's not a professional-grade operation. So... <laughs> I don't know, Mitch. It, it it could be that, but but then again, okay. So who's who's besides Miami? Who's you know what I mean? Like who's stepping up? Like who who's filling the void? Like there's going to be some flawed teams, I think, that get in. I mean, that's just the nature of this as they've continued to expand. How many teams get entree into the postseason? So yeah, I don't think it's going to be the greatest division ever. And I think some of these situations with the quarterbacks bear significant monitoring. Did you see a moment between Mahomes and Bieniemy? Yes. In the Kansas City loss, do we have any idea what happened? Obviously, there was frustration and and, uh, discord about something. That's another weird game, and that's probably a team that was due for some regression, although I didn't think it would necessarily come in that game, given that the Colts just played a slobber knocker, you know, and got beat up in Jacksonville in the heat, and the Chiefs were well-rested, hadn't played in 10 games, uh, 10 days. 
They're not running the ball at all. I thought they'd run the ball better this year. They're not they're not running it at all, Kansas City. I mean, they're trying to, but it's it's not going anywhere. They had a bad drop by Kelsey. They had a couple of weird decisions not go their way. You know, they're running a backup kicker out there. He cost them conservatively four points. So, I mean, look, I think they're the better team than the Colts. I think they beat the Colts most of the time. But there was something going on. When that line started moving down, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm not touching that game. I don't, I don't want any parts of that game. I thought Mahomes would throw at least three touchdowns. He ended up throwing one, and obviously one was dropped, and it wasn't their day. But I don't buy Matt Ryan long term. Uh, we'll see if that Colts defense has really found something. The first two weeks, they were, they were god-awful. That whole division, the AFC South, I really don't, don't know what to make of it. The only team that's kind of consistently gotten better is Jacksonville. So here we are talking about all the disappointing teams, all the teams that we thought in the preseason would be better. And I guess that means that the teams that have been really good, we should like even more, comparatively speaking. There are the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody's in love with the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody's in love with Jalen Hurts. Everybody's in love with the job that they're doing. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFC? And I, I, I don't really, as much as... As much as I, as a long-time, a long-suffering Dolphins fan, would like to buy into what happened on Sunday between the Bills and the Dolphins, let's face it, that was an aberration of a game between yep. all, all of the defensive backs that were out for the for the Bills. The game's in Miami in September. It's hotter than hell. The humidity, it was a nice win for the Dolphins, but no one's going to be fooled into, into believing that the Bills aren't the best team, I think, in the AFC. So do we like the Bills and the Eagles the best through three weeks? Yes. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Does it matter who we think is the best? No, it doesn't doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, there's no no poll coming out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the rankings. No. You don't want to have to be real, real high in the rankings. So if you lose one, you don't fall as low as somebody else. I, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm still, at this point, for the most part, inclined to believe what I believe before the season if it's been validated through three weeks so I thought the Eagles were you know are we writing these columns and doing these shows in the summer and futures bets and what do you like where do you see value I see value on the Eagles to win the division I see value in the Eagles sprinkle some money on a Super Bowl I I see value on Miami to make the playoffs if you like them more than me, then, you know, maybe the division, although I just don't, I just no, don't see that. No. And I don't see Super Bowl, but I like them as a wild card team. And, and yeah, Sunday's game was ridiculous. One team runs 90 plays and holds the ball for 40 minutes and, and loses <laughs> and runs yeah. like three times more plays than the other and, and loses. It, it doesn't happen. Although we look, we've seen crazy stuff happen. I mean, Miami the week before, you know, and teams are 711 and oh, the last 10 years up by or whatever, up by 21 points and Baltimore loses it to, to Miami. So there's crazy stuff happening all over the place. And maybe we should start accepting some of that as being more the norm for whatever reason than not. But look, I think the Eagles are a really good football team. I think the Eagles still have some warts for sure. You know, the Eagles have had weird game flow where they've kind of had teams beat early, right? So you had the Lions come back on them. You had the Commanders. Nah, they didn't make it a game, but they pretty much held the ball the whole second half. You know I mean? The Eagles get the 24 without trying and then don't post anything up. So they've got teachable moments without a doubt. But it's clear that the quarterback is getting better, and it's clear that Howie Roseman has built a really good roster there. The secondary has gone from uh, horrific to 
one of the best in football. Are they a little long in the tooth at D-line in a spot or two? Maybe, and they've suffered a little bit against the run, but my God, they ripped Carson Wentz's face off on Sunday. So it's a good football team, and it's not a great division, and it's not a great conference. I don't know about Nick Sirianni, what that's going to look like in the playoffs, you know, or when it really gets to be crunch time. But they've got a really good offensive line. They know who they are. And they can take away the other team's best receiver. And you can do that in this league. You do those things, you're going to win a lot of games. The problem that I have is is I'm having trouble finding teams. And again, you'll tell me, it doesn't matter, Mitch. And you're right. It doesn't matter after three weeks. But here we are. It's after three weeks and we need something to talk about. I'm having trouble finding teams in the NFC that I get excited about. The Rams are going to be good. The Rams are going to be good. We like the Eagles. Do we like the Packers? Do we like I like them? Do we like the I like Bucks? Them, I don't love them. Do we like Tampa you know, when they get healthy? I guess when Tampa yeah, gets Tampa, healthy. Tampa, I think right now is just in survival mode, and they still could have won on Sunday in, in a game in which it's the third string left tackle. Right, it's patchwork all over the place. That you know, basically all the receivers are patchwork. It's just it's just kind of a hodgepodge. But I, I like Tampa's defense. I really like Tampa's defense. And I think Tampa will, as the season goes on, gets will get better. So yeah, I, I I certainly buy them as a viable playoff team, and I also think that division is worse than it's been for a while. You know what I mean? This Saints outfit is all over the place right now. Atlanta is a weird team, but not a good team. So I, I yeah, I I think Tom Brady will will pace himself through this season, and I think the Packers are kind of doing the same thing with Aaron. You know, I buy Evans back from suspension. I buy them sitting Godwin for a couple weeks if that gets the hamstring back. You know what I mean? I buy their collective. I don't know what the Packers have other than throw it to the running backs. You know what I mean? And and try to play 1960s football. And if they do fall behind against a good team, I I just I wonder about what that looks like. Hmm. Okay, let's end with this. I don't think you and I have talked. I mean, we have talked since Russell Wilson was traded. But I haven't yeah. gotten your thoughts. I think people in this town, you and I have been shooting the you-know-what for a lot of years, yeah. both on radio and on this podcast about the Seahawks. And we've had our share of laughs and fun. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this organization is? Are we are we looking at the beginning of the end of Pete Carroll and John Schneider? Do you think that they've done a decent enough job in starting the rebuilding process and that they're a quarterback away from being better? They're, they're off to a one-and-two start. They played a lot better offensively on Sunday against the Falcons, but at the end of the day, their defense couldn't stop the Falcons. Yeah. When you look at Seattle, when somebody in Topeka, Kansas says to you, what do you think of the Seahawks and where they are right now? What's your answer? I think they're a rebuilding team. They have cycled off of a era of, at least for that franchise, unprecedented success. And, you know, I think if you get, get, told most owners, most coaches, most GMs, hey, you could have that Seattle run for the next 10 years, 12 years, whatever, I I think they'd they'd take it. But everything is cyclical, and even, you know, the hoodie is taking his lumps right now. So, and and look, I don't want to be an ageist, but Pete Carroll's been doing this a long time, you know, and the game keeps changing, and the players keep getting younger, and you're getting older, and I I just don't, you know what I mean? I think when, when you're talking about, a reset for someone that you know is going to have to take lumps. They're not, they're not a player or two away. I mean, you say they're a quarterback away. The quarterback's been, I mean, quarterback, from what I've seen, has been pretty damn pretty good. good. Pretty good. Pretty good. If the quarterback pretty was good. who people thought he was, 
you'd be the worst team in the league with hands down. It wouldn't be close right. because I don't know what else is really, you know what I mean? I don't, there's not a whole lot of there there right now. And defensively, my own. So, yeah, I, I think they're in a different cycle now. And it's one that I have a hard time seeing Pete Carroll still being there on the other end of it when they go from descending team to ascending team. So I, I, I don't know the owner's calculus on that, but I, I think this is going to be a really long year there. And then I think they're going to have to, you know, ownership's going to have to make some tough decisions about how close or far are we? You know, what, what do we want the identity of this team to be? What is our long-term vision for it? And who's best suited to try to get us there? And I, I don't know that at this stage of his career, Pete Carroll's going to be the answer to that. CBS Sportsline, CBS HQ, The Washington Post, his radio show in Baltimore. He's very, very busy. You can find him just about everywhere making picks. You could just just look around on the internet and you'll find our buddy <laughs> yeah. Jason. All out there. You own the internet. Own no, it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm beholden to it, uh, but I definitely don't own it. Let's talk in a couple of weeks. It's great to catch up with look you again. Thank to you, it, brother. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black with an update on all the exciting stuff happening in their world. It's football season. Dan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, we're always excited for football season. Can't wait for the Hawks. Can't wait for the Dogs. Uh, We're ready to go. Summer has gotten away from us, but some exciting additions to the Zeke's Pizza family. We've got Mount Lake Terrace. We've got Seward Park, both open on the same day. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, when you open restaurants, it's kind of fluid as to the exact opening dates right up until the end. And it turns out that Terrace Station up in Mount Lake Terrace and Seward Park both opened on August 24th. They're both doing great. I've mentioned before that they're both full-blown pizza pubs. It's the full Zeke's experience. I love hanging out at both places. Seward Park has actually become my on-the-way-home beer spot, even though it's totally not on my way home. So uh, that speaks to how cool that one is. It's very neighborhoody. And so, yeah, that's they're they're both really great. It's amazing because now you're south to Tacoma. You're north to Bellingham. We know about Spokane. And now some exciting news about going out of state. Yeah, I think I mentioned we were working on a deal in Boise, maybe, but we got it done a couple of weeks ago. And that is really exciting. It'll be our first one out of Washington State. Boise is obviously an exciting up and coming city that's that's been booming for a while and a lot of cool energy down there. It's a really great match for Zeke's. They're very outdoorsy down there, which is always a great connection for us. So we'll be up in eight to 10 weeks. It'll be a great beer drinking spot. And we think people in Idaho are going to like Zeke's a lot. It's unimaginable how long the footprint has become Dan operationally what are the challenges for you guys yeah not only have we been opening quite a few units just in general but the the big story as you mentioned recently is the expansion of the footprint with Bellingham Spokane and Boise coming in relatively short order uh, it does create some operational challenges the main one is is dough and the way we've solved that it's actually a great thing for the customer the the ones that are out of our commissary range mm-hmm. they make their dough fresh on site every day and so it's actually even even fresher than, than what you get in Seattle, even though we do that every day in the morning here too. But um, so it's so far, it's been great. What's the black family eating these days? You know, I think I've mentioned our new pepperoni from a company called Coro in town that used to be Salumi and their all their products are really great, but we switched over to their pepperoni a few months ago and <laughs> we, the black family can't order anything different. So we've been eating Puget Pounders, John Candy's, Dragons. It's the pepperoni is really good. That's what we're on right now. I think we're going to be on it for a while because it's, uh, like I say, it's tough to get away from it. It's that good. Very, very exciting. Mount Lake Terrace Station, Seward Park, Boise still yet to come. Amazing things happening at Zeke's Pizza, homegrown 
in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 208. Where would you like to begin? (laughs) I guess we should probably begin with... 40 to 22? Yes. Took the Stanford Cardinal apart. They did. If like, moving to four and zero on the season, I feel like it could have been more though. I mean, they're moving the ball pretty easily, but they had to settle for some field goals. I mean, man, it just seemed easy. They gave up a, a late touchdown. They gave up a couple of late yeah. points to Michigan State the week previous. Both right. games were routes. They're number fifteen in the country. They got a lot of momentum. Yep. They've got, as we've talked about a lot, probably the easiest possible schedule. Even though they have to go to Eugene this year and they have to go to the Cougs this year. They don't play Utah. They don't play USC. It's one of those strange years where they don't play two of maybe the best teams in the Pac-12. We've yeah. talked about that. Penix remains in the in the conversation for the Heisman. Yeah, I mean he's not going to win the Heisman, but I don't think it's out of the out of the question that he could end up in New York as like one of the three or four or five finalists. I don't know. He was twenty-two of thirty-seven on Saturday night for three hundred nine yards. And that, that's probably his worst game, I think, so far this He's year. He's got 1,400 right? yards, 12 touchdowns, and one interception. Jeez. He's got great numbers. Yeah. He's terrific. He's savvy. He's experienced. You feel comfortable and confident with him at the rain. For sure. I mean, it's, it's, he's everything. He's got another year of eligibility if he decides to come back. I think he's going to be 40, though. He does? 40, 40. Yeah, I think he's got one more year. Oh, my gosh. I think all these guys. Let's get him back. There's COVID years. I think you're allowed like nine years. Oh, you are. Okay. College football. That's yeah. good, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I look at their schedule and I'm, I, you know, this is what rubbed people the wrong okay. way with the tweet. I said, I said, uh, look at their schedule the next five games. Okay. They play UCLA this Friday. Now that's going to be tough. UCLA's undefeated. Right. They haven't beaten anybody. We don't know whether UCLA's any good. There'll be nobody there. There'll be very little home field advantage. It's a Friday night game, but it is away from home. Yep. You know, at the Rose Bowl against UCLA, I believe I saw that Washington is a three-point favorite. Two and a half, three-point favorite. Okay. They then turn around and they play at Arizona State, who just fired their coach. Mess. Home against Arizona. There'll be two touchdown favorites in that game. Mm -hmm. There'll be two touchdown favorites against Arizona State, probably. They're going to go to Cal, which has been tricky over the years. Yeah. Will Cox, I think he's still there, has always been kind of a thorn in Washington's side. That could be a tricky game, but Washington would be a favorite. If they played at Cal this Saturday, Washington would probably be a touchdown favorite in that game. And then they're going to come home against Oregon State. Oregon State's very good. Pretty good, yeah. They, they pushed USC this past Saturday night, but the game would be here. Those are your five games before the trip to Eugene on November the 12th. Mm-hmm. And what I tweeted, and I'll say it to you, is is it preposterous to think 9-0, and Top five or six in the country heading on November the 12th for that bitter rivalry game in Eugene against Oregon. Is it like, of course, if I was a betting man, would I bet that they're going to be 9-0? and No. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be. Yeah, they would be favorites over each of these opponents if they played each of them tomorrow. But when you multiply the factor of winning each one by winning each one by winning. Yes, it's a, it's a long shot-ish mm-hmm. of winning all five. But it is doable with the way Michael Penix is playing and the way I thought the most encouraging thing on Saturday night was how well the defense played. Now, I don't I don't know whether that's more about Stanford's offense and their coaching staff as than see than the Washington defense. But they were running all over. They were disappointing defensively to me in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. 
They are harassing the quarterback. Eight I think, sacks, I think I they think. got him eight times. Yeah. They're running all over the field. They're forcing turnovers. Yep. So that to me was very incorrect. Look, I they're running the ball. They, what's the, their tailback? I can't say his last name had over 100 yards for the yeah. first time. Yeah, but yeah, they, I know they they look well rounded, don't they? It's not just Penix. I mean, they they look well rounded. Now imagine them being top five and going in nine and zero to Oregon. That's college game day, right? I mean, if oh. Oregon keeps winning, oh. college game day's got to oh, go there. Huge. Five and ten or well, if, whatever. Oregon well, if Oregon be. wins out between now and then yeah. and Washington wins out between now and then, you're looking at uh, probably a top six matchup. Yeah. Two top six or seven teams. Awesome. Yeah. On November the 12th. There ain't going to be no picnic in Autzen. It's not going to be a picnic in Pullman either. I hate, to, I hate to tell Husky fans. I understand by hitting the send button on that tweet <laughs> and now by talking about it that if they lose to UCLA and they're only two-point favorites. Yeah, right. They could. Three point, I'm going to be at fault. Mitch, you had to send this tweet or somebody's going to retweet it and say something like, this didn't age very this well. This didn't age well. Yeah, people I, love although that. People love to do that. This didn't age very well. It's 8, it's 8, 8 a.m. and I get t- taunted by Piper's coach who follows me on Twitter. He said, because I, I, all I said was, boy, the Cougs came to play because in their first drive, they went right down and scored on Oregon. Right. That's all I said was, the boy, the Cougs are here to play. Boy, that, that tweet didn't age well. I didn't say they're going to win. I just said they had a nice try. Was there any, while we're in the other stuff segment, was there any fallout from the uh, no. the comments they made last week? No, there was no fallout. But the, uh, uh, <clears throat> there ha- <clears throat> a situation has been... Um, Resolved? What yes. are we doing with the first pitch? Did we talk about that? Are we, are we, are we going to the first pitch? Are we, are we involved in the first pitch? Is it the... Coach's kid who's going to throw out the first pitch for the Mariners game. Other stuff segment. I have uh, the Celtics. Come on, you brought it up. No, I know. Well, so it was. We couldn't decide who was who should throw out the first pitch. I mean, there's players that are better than others. Obviously, that makes sense. But yeah. they are kids, and everyone wants to do it. So the Little League, I think, commissioner of Issaquah Little League put all the names on a on a wheel and spun it. There's like this program you can use where you put all Get the names. Get the hell out. Really? Yeah, and, and he videotaped it to prove it. So yeah, this one one kid's throwing and one kid's catching. So And Piper did not win either. The, literally the, the youngest kid on the team. Catching? I thought the Mariners catch. What do you well, mean catching? I think they're having a, a kid catch too because there's so many of them. Like, let's let two do it instead of one, you know? Typically you have one So person. the Mariners are going to ignore the whole thing as it's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I don't know what's... I don't know. I just need this to end. I just need this little league thing to go away. Are you going? Yes, and I will. What be day there. is it? Uh, it's Tuesday, the twenty seventh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's going to be on the field for the first pitch. I should probably go. Yes. It's a pretty cool thing, right? To have your kid honored at a Mariner game before the game for her success on a softball. So Tuesday, the twenty seventh is tomorrow as we as we release this. You are correct. Okay. Yes, I will be there. I'm a big Mariner fan. I, I go to all the games. Is everybody happy and okay with how they determined who was going to throw out the first pitch? I haven't talked to everybody, so I can't speak for everybody, Mitch. But you have these little chains and... Those and have group, come to a screeching cha- halt. Group chats. They've all gone okay. dark, as okay. they say, in the all entertainment right. world. Let me do a couple of other stuff, and then you 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 jump in. <laughs> okay. The Cougs, you want to talk about the Cougs? Yes, I do. I was actually rooting for them. Like, I don't Everybody hate- was. Well, Husky fans don't always root for the Cougs. Husky fans were rooting for... Well, weren't they rooting for the Cougs over the Ducks? Yeah, I mean, you can yeah. make that case, but I'm sure a lot of Husky fans were chuckling when the Cougs cooged it. 34, 34-22 with 6.42 to go in the game. 34-22 with how much? 6.42? 6.42 to go in the game, yeah. What's, what's the probability on that? Like, what, what, is, what does that math tell you? 90%? They gave up 29 in the fourth quarter <sighs> alone. That pick six just took the air right out of that stadium, didn't it? Just killed them. I mean, they had them. They had them, and they let them off the hook. 
They had him in the corner punching body blows. They Oregon sure was did. dead. They sure did. Oh, I couldn't believe that. Where would Washington State had have debuted in the polls had they finished him off? Because a lot of people were saying that it was ridiculous that Washington State wasn't already yeah, in the polls. I was one of them. After, after winning in Madison, Wisconsin, that they definitely deserved to be in the polls. They still do, I think. Maybe, maybe not. But had they won this game, yeah. they followed up with Wisconsin two weeks later by beating Oregon. Might have yeah. been in the top 15 in the country. Might have jumped right in, not only right into the polls, yeah. but in, maybe damn near 15th. Even though I think Wisconsin's pretty bad, right? Well, we found out that Michigan, Michigan State's, State's no, no good either. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. You get a big win, and then they go on to suck. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, that Cougar game was heartbreaking for Cougar fans. All right, USA beats an overmatched international team in the President's Cup. I watch a little of it. Sorry, what podcast is this? Huh? What pod? Oh, you talking about soccer? No. What President's Cup? It's golf. Oh, it's golf. I thought it's it was golf. some soccer it was played tournament. played at Quail Hollow. Okay, good. Gotta love Tom Kim. The Brett Favre thing that we've been talking about for a year and a half now on this show. Are we going to get someone on? Because this is like, well, we, this feels big and bad. Gotten people on. We've done guests. We've done interview segments on this. This is going back a year and a half. Yeah. It's just gotten worse and oh worse and gosh. worse. He looks worse and worse as more details come out about the misuse of Mississippi state welfare funds. A lot of the texting back and forth with the governor has come oh, out. Have you been reading yeah, it? Yeah, he just looks guilty. He continued to press Mississippi state officials for help in paying for the new sports facilities at his alma mater, Southern Mississippi. Months after being told uh, by the governor at the time, Phil Bryant, that the misuse of state welfare funds could be illegal. It didn't matter to Brett. He kept on going on and on and on. He said, quote, we obviously need your help big time. This is his text to the governor. And time is working against us. We feel that your name is the perfect choice for this facility. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And we're not taking no for an answer. You're a Southern Mississippi alumni. And folks need to know that you are also a supporter of the university. The governor responded to that text by saying, we're going to get there. This was a great meeting, but we have to follow the law, Brett. I'm too old for federal prison, the governor texted oh my gosh. to Brett Favre. Brett Favre just no, looking No, you worse. are not. Oh, my God. And by the way, it's, he said it's time sensitive. We're running out of time. Yes. Because his daughter's going to graduate yeah, soon. Is exactly that the time right. we're that's talking exactly about? Right. I mean, there's only one. I mean, what's worse than stealing money from potential welfare recipients? Well, let me think about it. There isn't anything. I mean, what, what's worse than that? He's anti-Robin Hood. Oh, my. He's the anti-Robin Hood. That's right, yeah. He's is not, he? Yeah. He's not stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Yeah, Brett Favre has not had a good run in the last 10 years since he got out of football, has he? But let's not forget the pictures he was sending to reporters. Remember that whole thing? This this feels very bad. It like, does feel very big bad. big and bad. And the fact it does that, feel very bad. That he, and then I think one of them already turned. But, one of the witnesses but, already but turned. But there is a bright side. There is. There okay. is a bright side. He's got that brace that goes around with Jerry, <laughs> and Jerry Rice and him go out and play yeah, flag right. football, which all they the do time. every weekend. Yes, I'm they sure. do yeah, together. Yeah. His lower right. back feels terrific, and yeah. they're a hell of a combination. They're tough in flag football to beat with the, both of them wearing the brace. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a great combo. Yeah, he, if he goes to prison, he's going to need to bro that brace a little lower because he's going to be in for ah. it, man. He might go to prison, Brett Favre. You think? I don't know. I mean, witnesses are are like turning. They're trying to stay, cover their own ass. I don't know what he goes to prison for. Oh, it just looks awful for him. Not good. Yeah. Anyway, don't cook chicken in NyQuil. 
Were you yes. about to do that? Yes, there was a TikTok video. Jesus Christ. And I did it people. like three different times. <laughs> yeah, and you took a big nap afterwards. Let me you? tell you something. I felt great since. I'm sure, yeah. Well, the FDA warns against cooking chicken and yes. cough medicine. It's not yeah. only silly and unappetizing, but it can also be unsafe. Uh, they say, you know, because the, the term is sleepy chicken, they call it. It's a TikTok challenge. Yeah. But even inhaling the fumes can make you sick and be bad for your life. Please don't heat up cough medicine, Please. they're telling you. It changes the molecular makeup of it. Look it, at you. Well, I, I'm reading it, but it's like, come on, everyone. Stop cooking food with cough medicine, you dummies. So, yeah, there uh, you go. That's my PSA for the day. Hotshot Canada is ready to lift the COVID vaccine mandate we found out this past week. Yes. Oh. Yes. And you know what's going to happen. They're going to face the Blue Jays in the first round, all three games in Toronto. Yep. Robbie Ray is going to be able to pitch because they're lifting the COVID vaccine mandate. Yep. He's then going to struggle, give up a lot of runs, and we're all going to say and tweet out, God, we wish they didn't lift the, the, the COVID <laughs> That's right. That's vaccine that, mandate. If, if I were him, I would, know it, right? I, I, would just, I, would, I would just go get it, and I would film it. That's what I would do, just because they're lifting it. Just, by the way, can I ask a question to you about you love baseball? What's this Pledge of Allegiance challenge thing? Don't know what you're talking about. So Robbie Ray and a player for... You really don't? You didn't see this? No. Robbie Ray and a player for the Royals refused to get off the, off the field after the national anthem. They refused. And they're both standing there with their hats on their hearts like they're standing... Like you would. And, and the umpire had to like boot them both off the field. Because? I think they were having a challenge of who can stay on the field the longest. Oh. Then what does that have to do with the Pledge of Allegiance? Because that's when they start standing, or like the, the national anthem, or whatever yeah, they play. The national anthem. I didn't think we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, it's not third grade, days. but yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're standing there with their. But you don't know what this. No, I, I I've never heard of this in my life. And so then, who was it? It was him and who? It was a player for the Royals. I don't oh, know. Really? But Robbie Ray won, and the whole dugout's going crazy because oh. he lasted the longest. Well, I'm glad they're having fun. Are you? I don't know. They went three and seven. Can we That's the point. around and maybe start playing baseball? I, I, I had a little tongue in cheek <laughs> Oh, gotcha. There. Okay, I'm yeah. glad that they're having fun exactly. with, these, with these shenanigans and giving up 11 runs in the sixth inning. At my, least they're having fun blowing the lead. That was my first thought. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe dial in a yeah. little bit more nah, here. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of games in baseball. Have you heard about Points Bet Sportsbook? No. Yes. Points Bet <laughs> Sportsbook announced. Points Bet, okay. That Russell Wilson has played so poorly to start the season yeah. that they're giving a free bet to everyone who placed a, a bet on Russell to win the MVP award. Oh, my God. Because there's just that. zero chance. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Let's trade for Russell. Maybe we can get him back for a oh song. Oh, my God. <laughs> Does he want out yet? <laughs> we are kind of reveling a little too much in this, aren't we? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's beautiful. Who put money on him to win the... Didn't you tell me he's never gotten a vote? Never gotten a vote. This is the year you're going to put he's, money down to bet? Never gotten a vote. <laughs> okay. Right. And the people at Points Bet Sportsbook feel badly oh, that they're taking gosh. everybody's money that put bets on Russell Wilson to win the MVP. So they're giving him a free bet. A free bet. You got a free bet. I don't what, know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that bet. means either. They're not in the business of giving yeah. money back typically. I really get annoyed <laughs> when someone you want to dislike makes it difficult to not like him. Yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, about? I, when I watch those 30 for 30s, I feel it all the time. Like, you know, Lance Armstrong and all these people that I would, Tom Brady. Right. These people, Derek Jeter. They end up making them look good. And now I kind of root for them. Here's one for me. I used to love and still kind of do disliking Tim Tebow. 
Oh, I like making fun of Tim <laughs> yeah. Tebow. I like talking about his baseball career. Oh yeah, you I hate- like talking about his football career. Yeah. I love making fun of Tim Tebow, but at every single turn, he makes it difficult for me to dislike him. And now there's this. Have you read it? No. Tim Tebow. Somebody asked him on a radio show last week, what do you do with your Heisman Trophy? Do you just put it away? Yeah. You put it up for people to put see? Up, sure. He says, you know what I do? You know what I do? I auction it off every year for the opportunity to hold it for a year. I give it to somebody random who pays for the opportunity, and then I donate all those money oh. to charity. So every single year, wow. he holds an auction. Somebody buys the opportunity to own his Heisman Trophy. He gives it to them for the year. Amazing. They hold it for the year, and then he gets it back, and he auctions it off again. And just Now, how the, the F am I supposed to hate Tim Tebow? <laughs> I know, right? Amazing. God. And by the way, I mean, I hate to, you know, he's, he's not a guy who signed a couple big contracts in the NFL. He's probably not swimming in it like... You know, he could probably use a oh, little I money. I think he's probably doing fine. From what? Didn't he have endorsements or... I mean, maybe. But nonetheless, he doesn't have Russell Wilson money. Maybe that... the church is paying him. Maybe he's getting checks from Mississippi State Welfare. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think he is, actually. Yeah. Yes, him and yeah. Farver and Coos. Now, he seems like this, He seems like this great human, doesn't I he? I don't want to like him, though. That's... What a great idea leveraging your Heisman Trophy for charity. That is a pretty cool idea. God, and this... he's good in those, those Dr. Pepper ads, off. you know, the Heisman house. He seems self-deprecating. He just seems like... Pisses me off. <laughs> I know. I love to hate people, too. It pisses me off when I can't. All right, you see the, the new horror movie coming out? It's called Smile, I think it's called? No. Well, they're sending background actors to live baseball games, front and center, at, at MLB games. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's called Smile. It drops Friday. And these you haven't seen this? Mm-mm. It's It's like... So the movie's based on these creepy people with these weird like smiles. It's like super creepy smile, but they're planting them behind like home plate and ba- and, and ushers are having to tell them to sit down. It was a whole thing over the weekend. This movie looks kind of freaky though. Have you seen the? You probably haven't seen the trailer. No. They actually ran a trailer for it during the Seahawks game. They did. Yeah, you clearly didn't see it. Yeah, but it was most notable during the Mets game where a woman in a, like a highlighter green shirt with the word "smile" written across it was standing and smiling awkwardly and scary. That is until a security guard. So told these her are to real people it. that are smiling, or they bring out cutouts, or what? what no, no, real. They're real masks? actors. They're oh, actors. Actors, and they give you that weird. Which <laughs> is good <laughs> for the pod, but yeah. Uh, oh, it's so weird and creepy. But yeah, they're infiltrating MLB games to promote this cockamamie movie. Mm. Do you ever heard of a company called Beyond Meat? I have it. Oh, of course, do I, I'm married to a vegetarian. You think I've heard of Beyond? I just cooked. Is this the last part of week. the headlines? No. It felt. It felt like. It, it, it just yeah. No, it's not. Beyond Meat Chief <laughs> Operating Officer Doug Ramsey <laughs> was arrested this weekend after a physical altercation in a parking garage following an Arkansas Razorbacks football game. He's 53. Ramsey. He was charged with terroristic threatening and third degree battery Saturday. According to booking records at a Washington County, Arkansas jail, he was released on $10,000 bond. Here's what happened. A road rage altercation saw Ramsey, okay, 53-year-old chief operating officer of Beyond Meat, yep. punch through the back windshield of another man's Subaru. Are you talking about oh, road rage? That is road rage, yes. He punched through the back windshield of another man's Subaru in a parking garage after the vehicle made contact with the front tire of his car. (laughs) Once the Subaru owner got out of the vehicle, Ramsey then approached him, punched him repeatedly, and... Yeah. Here's the punchline. Bit him in the nose. Yep, got a taste for that human flesh. 
ripping the flesh oh. on the tip of his nose. The man also claimed that Ramsey threatened to kill him. I did not know that there are people out there in road rage incidents that are biting other people's noses. Oh. I don't care for that. <laughs> oh my God. It's like a buffet with you. I mean, good Lord, <laughs> if he had a real taste for it. Yeah, you would not like that. Oh my God. Yeah, that, that, I saw that. I mean, the, the guy who. bit the guy's nose after pummeling him. Yeah. Now, people are losing it. I keep every week. What the people hell? People send me fights. And be, yeah, I know. People are going crazy out there. Uh, that's all I got. I got one RIP, so you can finish up. This Go one's on. weird. A family in Utah will certainly have a story to tell their newest member because a 56 year old mom is carrying her son's baby. That's right. 56-year-old Nancy Hawk volunteered this to carry her son Jeff and wife Cambria's fifth child, a girl. Cambria is unable to carry a pregnancy after getting a life-saving hysterectomy. So you're talking about not carrying. I am not. Not in the arms, no. Oh, okay. Yes. It's like asking your mom to carry you and, you and your wife's baby. Did they... What'd they do? Take his... Yeah, I think that's what implant, they do. Implant but but his, and her, his and his wife's, though. Right? So, like, the oh, eggs. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, She's okay. just the oven for, okay. for their concoction. Okay. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> it really? <laughs> By the way, it might be time to call it good on kids. Maybe nature's telling them something. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> Docs gave her the green light after a uh, She hasn't been pregnant in 26 years. Anyway, if you want to buy the house of the, in Stranger Things, that is going up for sale. $300,000 price tag. It's where the buyers lived. Okay. Joyce Byers and her sons. Okay. RIP, Oscar-winning actress Louise Fletcher. Okay. You familiar with that name No, at all? I don't. Don't know the name. You might know the iconic villain nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that with Jack Nicholson? I remember that movie, yes. Yeah, she was actually, uh, that, that was a big role for her. It was handpicked as the fifth greatest villain in movie history hmm. by AFI, and she was runner-up to the Wicked Witch of the West as the greatest villainess. She was a million credits on IMDb. That's my only RIP. Now I got some headlines. I got an interested. RIP. Oh, okay, go ahead. Maury Wills, 89-year-old oh, baseball the base player. base stealer. Yeah, the Dodgers, great. Yeah. Known for his base stealing. Died at the age of 89 oh, years I didn't old. See that. He was one of the top base stealers of all time. Yep. And he was the one-time manager of the Seattle Mariners. 1980 and 81. Oh, good year. 26-56. <laughs> they were awesome. He was 26 and 56 with the Mariners over 82 games, which was a short-lived stint as the manager of your Seattle Mariners. All right. Yeah. Headlines. Yeah. A man and his daughter were arrested after being accused of beating and choking a third family member who ate their Chinese food takeout. That could piss you off, right? Some sure, nature. sure. The two maintain their innocence and claim it was a blatant violation of their rice. All right. Stupid. <laughs> fun. Vic Faust, former Fox 2 news anchor, uh, was fired from his morning radio show after calling his co-host all these awful names like a terrible mom, trash fat zoo. Even though the rant happened off the air, it was still enough for him to get removed. Yes. Sir. I mean, what self-respecting radio broadcaster would yell at someone on their show while off the air like that? Unthinkable. A New York meteorologist who worked at Spectrum News said he was let go after his employer learned of him appearing on an adult webcam Can site. Can I defend myself? Go the ahead. weatherman has apologized and has promised to no longer show off his warm front on camera. Yeah, could have gone a lot of ways. <laughs> and finally, a nursing home it's apologizes for hiring a stripper for seniors in wheelchairs. A stripper for seniors in wheelchairs? It? What kind of a place is this? That sounds awesome. Yes. Hey, it went better than the night they hired the hypnotist. You remember that night? After he hypnotized them all, he accidentally dropped his watch and yelled, shit. It's a messy night for the nurses. Oh, not a good night oh. for the nurses. Yeah. Really? Yeah, not a good night at that nursing home. All right, they're not going to get any better a third time. <laughs>
<laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> Come say hi to me at the Mariners game if you see me. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, episode 208, <laughs> episode Boise, Idaho. Oh, it, it is in Idaho. I'd look, by the way. You were it correct. Is. Yeah, 208, Idaho. There you go. Yeah, you yep. learn something new every day. That's right. I hope they let uh, Piper out on the field uh, during the uh, opening pitch, or is she going to be uh, up in the stands? Oh, no, she'll be on the field for yeah. the for the opening pitch, yeah. I, I, but I, I don't know that the suite won't be anything less than insanely awkward. Oh, yeah. So if anyone's got extra seats, let me come down and sit with you during the game. Let me know. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, episode 208 is in the books. <laughs>